Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's my co-host and producer extraordinaire, Zachary Allen Goodman. I don't know if that's his middle name or not. It's not, apparently. Uh, today's show brought to you by... Birdland Sports. Hey, O's fans, did you know that one of your fellow fans is the owner of Birdland Sports? That's right. Josh Roca from the Section 336 podcast is behind Birdland Sports. He knows what fellow fans want and has created an amazing collection of merchandise just for you. From the popular Birds Are Coming tees to unique player cartoon shirts and World Series prediction designs, Birdland Sports has everything you need to show off your O's pride. And with prices more affordable than the big guys, you can support a small business run by one of your own. Also at Birdland Sports, you can get your very own Homer hose. Celebrate and stay hydrated all summer for just $15. Don't wait. Head to birdlandsports.com today and show your support for the birds with Birdland Sports. Stay hydrated all summer. Stay with the Homer hose. With the Homer hose. Love that read. Yeah. So, we've been staying plenty hydrated here. It's been raining for a year straight. It feels like really crappy weather. My I played one baseball game this season, and now as of tomorrow's game is going to be canceled. That'll be two straight canceled, plus the Easter holiday in between. Um, Needless to say, I've had some work canceled this weekend. I yeah. was supposed to be somewhere yesterday, supposed to be somewhere tomorrow. Both got moved, so it's been an unfortunate little weekend. A lot of rain, not so nice out, but you know, Mayflowers, right? Yeah. Needless to say, Zay yeah, flowers, yeah, Mayflowers. Uh, needless to say, yet he still said it. <laughs> Uh, that's also <laughs> I'm accurate. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, welcome to the bat around another dreary, miserable freaking day. Um, but we're not miserable in Birdland. The only thing that can stop the Orioles right now is the poor weather in Detroit. It rained them out last night. They have a doubleheader today. First game set to take place at 1210. Actually moved the start of the first game up an hour because inclement weather is supposed to come into the forecast this evening and they don't want it to interrupt the second game. So O oh, set to set to start the first game at 1210. The second game at 510. Is it Tyler Wells in game one and Grace and Gr- not Tyler Wells, I'm sorry. Um is it Dean Kramer in game one and Grace Rodriguez in game two? It's Dean Kramer game one. I'm not sure about game two, but I know Kramer's going. And the so, lineup is out if you want me to read that out for Yeah, I, I saw the lineup. You can do that in one second. Sure. I, I, it has to be Grayson because today would have been Grayson's start. Yeah, anyway. that, that makes sense. So makes I would sense. imagine it's Grayson in, in game two. But yes, go ahead, read that, that starting lineup. So Austin Hayes is leading off, Mount Castle batting second, Arias third, Santander fourth, Mateo fifth, McCann sixth, Mullen seven, McKenna eight. Ortiz nine with Kramer on the mound, so Adley gets a day off. Yeah, and well, he doesn't not get a day, a day off. Day but game off, he gets a game off. Yeah. Um, he still needs, I think, a full day off. I agree. Um, although he had that yesterday. Yeah, he had that yesterday. That's true. It was a full day off yesterday. Um, because there's no, I don't even think they went to the ballpark and and started getting ready for a game. washout. Yeah. They knew they weren't playing from the beginning. Um, I like that Urias. And Mateo are getting a chance to hit three and five in the order. They've, they've been very productive recently, so go with the hot hand right now. Um, Anthony Santander is still hitting fourth. Hit that big home run uh, on, what was it, Thursday now? Thursday. But um, struck out in his previous two at-bats. He and Mountcastle just have – they've got to get it going if they're both going to hit three, four in this order. And Mountcastle today, too. So, yeah. uh, you're right. Got to get going. They, they've, they've, they've got to get the bats going. Mountcastle's hitting this – he's the unluckiest hitter in the yes. history of baseball. All he, all he does is hit hard is hit hard exit velocity shots that go right into people's gloves. Yeah. Or he gets robbed of home runs. It's freaking ridiculous. Yeah. But the Orioles, they have won uh, 9 of 10, 11 of 13, 13 of 16. They are – 17 and 8 
17 and 8. Second best record in the American League. They are in second place in the AL East behind the red hot Tampa Bay Rays, who started 13 and 0. Uh, and since that start, all they've done is go 9 and 5, a pedestrian 9 and 5 since then. They are 22 and 5, by far the best record in all of Major League Baseball. And they just so happen to be in the Orioles division. And lo and behold, the Orioles have the third best. ERA in the American League and in Major League Baseball. And guess the two teams in front of them. You'll never guess. The Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees. This division is stupid. This division is stupid. Yeah. Uh, I Are can, you proposing a realignment? Is I cannot. There, oh, there's got to be realignment. They're going to okay. add two exhibition, two exhibition, two yeah. expansion teams expansion, yeah. um, at some point, sooner rather than later. And I have to imagine that they're going to realign, just like the NFL did. Yeah. Having the Yankees... Red Sox, Rays, now Orioles, and Blue Jays in the same division is ridiculous. Well, first of all, the geo- first of all, geographically, it doesn't make a ton of sense I, to me, personally. But if you put the Pirates in the same division as the Orioles, that would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's going to have to be more like the, the NFL. Than, mm-hmm. And not that the NFL makes sense either. I mean, the Eagles are in the same division as the Cowboys, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So geographically, the Orioles division doesn't make a ton. You've got New York all the way up here and Tampa way down here. So there will be some things that change. And if Tampa moves in the next few years, that's going to change more things. Yep. You could see a couple teams jump from the AL to the NL and vice versa. It's going to happen, I, I think, eventually. But right now, this team and this division, uh, all these teams are stacked and the division is stacked. That's how it's going to be. So what would that division look like then? What, I Pittsburgh mean, has to be there, it, I, I would think. Why Pittsburgh and not Philadelphia? Oh, they would be too, probably. That, well, but, but mind, then but you yeah. you only have yeah. you only have two teams. It could be Yankees. Up north. I don't think they're going to split up the Yankees and the Red Sox. They won't. That it's one of the happen. best rivalries in all sports. Yeah. So it would be Yankees, Red Sox. I imagine they would probably put the Phillies in yeah. with the Yankees and Red Sox because Philadelphia is just near is right near um, Southern New Jersey. Yeah. Right. So Phillies, Yankees, Red Sox, and they. Pro- They'd probably keep the Orioles in that division. Yeah, and of course you've got the Mets too, and that that they would probably stay in the NL East. You've got yeah. Washington, which is definitely going to stay in the NL East, given that the Orioles are you know one of their main competitors market wise. So right, I, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But yeah. I think Pittsburgh is, is an obvious one, especially Ma- given the Baltimore Pittsburgh rivalry mm-hmm. that exists. Maybe just uh, maybe just keep do it the same way the NFL does, and have it be Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati in one division. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it would be, but then Miami in the East, like like like. But you have Miami yeah, I, in the East. You said the Tampa Bay is way too far south, but in the NFL, Miami is in the East. You're right, it, and, and <laughs> again, not that the NFL does it great either, but I think they're a little better at least. But yeah, again, they so the NFL does it differently though because you have AL East, AL Central, and then AL West. But in the NFL, you have you have the South, you have um, the North, and you have the East. So it's just a little bit different. They do it. It sounds like we're way. talking about Westeros. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way they do it. The, I, the I, North. I'm not saying it's necessarily the best strategy. I'm just proposing that you could kind of use what the NFL does to kind of shape your new strategy yeah. if you're if you're the Major League Baseball. Totally random and off topic, but you you know that commercial that comes on during every Orioles game where it's that one guy and he goes, Sticky Floors. Oh, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a good one. Well, I don't even you know, know what that commercial is for, but the guy, <laughs> doesn't, the, their job. The guy doesn't have an accent, Yeah. but he says, Sticky Floors. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. You know the be- the best one though is the uh, the Sarasota I, commercial. Oh, oh my god! I changed the lyrics I, <laughs> and they're inappropriate for for, for radio. But the I, yeah, da da. 
Oh my gosh, my wife had no idea. Yeah. I would, I would, I can't stand this. These blinds are closed, and I just feel like I'm trapped in here for yeah, some you, reason. You like are I, trapped. I, I, I can see the outside through Zach's window, and I'm, and I'm losing it with mine mm. closed. Any, any who's that commercial's been on Masson for <clears throat> probably ten years. The Sarasota commercial. Yeah. That yeah. family. Those kids are in college yeah. now. <laughs> the, the mom and dad are on AARP. Yeah, like, like yeah. The, it, it's the same com- commercial from the first year they went to Sarasota. <laughs> the mom and dad are on AARP. <laughs> they one hundred percent are now. Um, so the Orioles, uh, they played the Tigers on Thursday. It's their most recent game. They trailed three nothing Thursday night. They looked dead in the water, mm-hmm, baby. They mm-hmm. looked dead in the water. Anyway, um, what are we doing? What am I doing today? Joey Ortiz makes his big league debut in his first base hit. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. Akil Badu makes a diving play in the gap to rob him of a base hit. Yeah. Uh, there are some diving catches that are more impressive than others. I wasn't too impressed with that diving catch. Yeah, I mean, because I agree. he caught that ball on a dive at about the same height that, of his waist. He could have reached if, down. If, Correct. If, if, if he had caught it on the run. That dive to me, I mean, I guess sometimes you dive because you think you have to and the ball hangs up on you, which is probably what happened there. I, I don't like to say that Ortiz got robbed of a hit because he could have stayed on no. his feet and still caught it. But. It looked like he got robbed of a hit. He hit a ball sharply into the gap. Akil Badu had him played correctly and made a nice play mm-hmm. on the ball. Um, next at bat, go figure. He probably hits a ball 105 miles an hour off the bat. It gets caught. And then in his next at bat, he hits a bounding ball down the first baseline that takes a big hop over Spencer, 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 Spencer Torkelson's head uh, and drives in two uh, to, give the, to put the Orioles down just three to two. Cedric Mullins follows suit with an RBI triple. Adley Rutschman has the. Am I? Am I? No. This is this the same inning? No, it wasn't the same inning. It, it was three to two. Uh, that was all the scoring for that inning. Then you get to the seventh inning, and Ortiz has the sacrifice fly. Yes. Cedric Mullins follows with the RBI triple. Adley Rutschman follows with the sack, sack fly, fly. Yeah. to give the to tie the game at four, and then. Anthony Tony Tater Santander comes up and hits a two run homer, and the Orioles now. Um, now lead seven to four, and actually, I think Adley's sack fly um gave the Orioles a five to four lead because Cedric Mullins triple tied the game. But Orioles, they they looked dead. Mm-hmm. They looked like yeah. they had no life. Kyle Gibson, arguably his worst start of the year for the Orioles, gave up four runs in four and two thirds innings. You could tell from the get go. He didn't have. There were there were times where he where some of his stuff looked absolutely filthy in the first and second innings. Yeah, but he just had no feel for anything. Yeah, it, and it, it was obvious he couldn't get his breaking balls over. He had to go fastball, which when it's Kyle Gibson, you probably don't want to be the guy having to go. Having you're to you're ninety ninety one, so no. Well, no, no, he he hits ninety four. Yeah. But that game ninety four, he, he, he was ninety ninety one though. As yeah. soon as he started, he the command and control. Forget command. The control was <clears throat> excuse me so gone that he basically had to resort to one pitch and mm-hmm. he was just trying to throw it for strikes he was finessing it which i think he slowed it down a little bit he probably slowed his arm down just to get it in the zone because he was throwing 90 mile an hour sinkers right over the middle that were doing nothing yeah and guys were all over it yeah and he couldn't throw any other pitch for strikes i mean the changeup was way off the curveball was way off his sweeper was way off everything was gone so it wasn't very successful for him and the the tigers they they jump out to what was it three four nothing it was a four nothing. I think it was it, it, it was a, it was a three nothing lead. Yeah. Um, CNL Perez comes in in the sixth inning, and I would have liked to. Was it the, no? It was the seventh inning, wasn't it? 
No, right. it was definitely the sixth. I think it was the sixth. Because Mike Mike Bauman came in and finished out the fifth inning, and then he didn't come back in yes. for the for the sixth inning, and I thought he should have. Mm-hmm. But Brandon Hyde, to his point, look, the Orioles aren't playing any in any blowouts one way or the other, right? So you're not going to get a guy like C.N.L. Perez who has no options left, who yeah. was excellent last year, and you want to get him to figure it out, you're not going to find any high, any low-leverage situations for him right now. So no. the sixth inning in a one-run game when your team still has four more team... Seven, eight, nine, eight, three more team at-bats um, to, to try and tie the score or take the lead, I guess that's as low-leverage as it's going to get for Perez, and he still couldn't get it done. He faced four batters... He hit one, walked two, got one out out of the four that he faced, and then you bring in who came in after Bauman? I mean, after after Perez was it was it Baker? I think Brian Baker. Uh, it was Brian Baker. Yeah, who comes in with the bases loaded? He gets an out, and then he walks a guy mm-hmm. on four pitches that weren't competitive. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, now it's it's four to two right after your team just got the game to within. Um, Within a run, yeah. Now it's four to two. Luckily, the Orioles came out in the seventh inning and scored five runs and took the lead for good, seven to four. But with CNL Perez, what do you do? At, at some point, yeah. you've got to say, "Look, man, we've given you every opportunity to figure this out, right?" And you haven't done it yet. Well, if this was the 2019 Orioles, you would say, "Absolutely, we're keeping him around, and, and he's going to be there for probably the whole year." But this is a competitive team. One that is in a position for the first time in a long time to make a, a somewhat deep playoff run. You've got to do what's best for the team. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. right now, he has not been worth much at all of, yeah. a, of anything. And, and like and, you said, there's way too many high leverage situations for a guy who can't get, you know, get outs in those situations. And you have Michael Givens. You have Dylan Tate. They're coming off the injured list. You've got to make moves in probably the next two weeks. I would assume Michael Givens is probably very close. And Dylan Tate seems a lot closer than I originally expected as well. These two guys are going to have to find spots. They're good high leverage relievers. Perez has shown that he's not. I, you know, despite what he did last year, you've got to make the decision that benefits you this year. Unfortunately, that may be a DFA. Yeah, and I don't know that we've reached that point yet. Well, if he doesn't have any options, what are you really going to do? Right. That's the thing. Are they going to option somebody like Keegan Aiken or somebody like Mike Bauman? Or they're not optioning any or Cano, and I can't imagine they're not going to Bauman either. Bauman's not no. going to go either. So, are you going to get rid of Keegan Aiken? But you have to make two moves. Yeah. You have to make two moves to to, to get those guys back on your roster. And, and neither are lefties. Right. So, so it makes it harder. Yeah. I, I think you're right. The S is going to have to hit the fan here soon. It's, it, you're going to have to figure out what to do here with Perez because currently he's the worst reliever on your team. Yeah. It's not getting any better. Maybe you could sell him to a team for international bonus money or something along those lines. I don't know. Maybe some team would be willing to take him. Yeah. If they're willing to swing a small trade. But I don't think you're going to get a lot. Probably not. I mean, some team is going to think, you know what, we can get this, we can figure this guy out. Yeah. And it'll be like what the Orioles got for Richard Blyer a few years ago, probably. Which I don't remember what that was. So it wasn't significant. It was, um, wasn't it? uh, His last name begins with a V. Um, Velez or something like that, or, or um, he was a he was he that. was he was a, a a pitcher they said who had impeccable control and he could make it to the majors that hmm. that same year and he's been really I'll, I'll find this up he's I'll been really really bad for the Orioles since he got into their minor league system. But speaking of the Tigers, the Tigers have won five straight before losing to Cleveland on on the nineteenth. They fa- they come to Baltimore and they lose three straight. 
Then they go to Milwaukee. They win two or three. And then they welcome Baltimore in, and they immediately lose again. The Tigers are 1-11 yeah. against the American League East and 8-3 and against everybody else. Uh, to me, the, the Orioles throwing a wrench in their spokes. It's really great to see the Orioles. They're 4-0 against the Tigers this year. Last year, they went 1-5. One and, one and Against them, like this is a team that if you want to, if you want to be one of the better teams in baseball, you've got to do to the Tigers what the Orioles are doing to the Tigers. It's been really great to see. Uh, led, of course, on Thursday by Joey Ortiz in his major league debut, one for three, a two-run single, a sack fly, three RBIs again. Robbed of a hit in his first at bat. He deked the runner at second base and almost got an out because of it. On um, Ramona Rios tried to turn the double play and ended up not getting an out at all. Um, Isaac De Leon, by the way, Isaac, took a lot of digging, but Isaac De Leon was the guy they got for Isaac De Leon. Well, he got sent down there. Um, Blyer went down at the same time as no, no, no. I, I was thinking of Cole Salser and Tanner Scott. That was the guy. That was uh, the yeah, okay, okay. That, that came over. You're right. Um, but getting back to Joe to Joey Ortiz, do you do you, do you remember the play that I'm talking about? No, sorry, I, I was kind of zoning out trying to figure out who got the. Uh, who, okay, who was the so trade? it was a ground ball to third base. Urias mm-hmm. kind of oh yeah, a, okay, yeah, a slow yeah, yeah, throw yeah, to second, yep. and then Ortiz's throw bounced to, to first. Ortiz got nothing on it. He kind of had to pivot and throw, and really got nothing behind but that, it. But that wasn't the play. No. It, it was it that was the play itself. But we don't we don't care about the throw. Ryan Mountcastle has to pick that, and hundred percent. And we're going to yeah. talk about that here in a second. But then the guy who was it Maton who slid into second base. It was yeah, and he stands up, and Ortiz goes, "No, you're out." And he starts to walk off the yeah. field, and Mountcastle p- bounces a throw to third. Bounces a throw to third base, and then the guy still gets back into second base safely. Yeah. Do you think Ortiz did that intentionally? Do you think that he really thought that Maton was out? I'm. I i do not know. I, I. I was still trying to dissect what happened in that play after I watched it because he gets up and he's just jogging to third. Mountcastle's no idea what's going on. He makes a horrible throw. I. I don't think Ortiz would have done that intentionally. Well, though. so here's here's what happens. They showed it from the third base okay. angle, right? So Arias makes a throw to second, yeah. and Ortiz catches it. He throws to first. Maton slid, so he stands up and he's looking back at the at the umpire. And Ortiz yeah. looks at him and he goes, "No, you're out." So he goes, oh, "Okay," and he starts to jog off the field. And then Ortiz immediately puts his hands up, right? Because he so at first you're thinking he knew exactly what he was doing, but then you remember that the ball had bounced past Mountcastle, yeah. and so the guy's running. He's thinking that the guy that was at first base is running to second, so maybe he's putting his hands up to make that play. Yeah. Then they realize it's possible that guy's going back, going back to first, and that Maton is stuck between second and third to not even get an out on that play. I was going to say all the things that happen. That was some ugly baseball. To me, that was inexcusable defense from Arias. Inexcusable defense from Ryan You had no chance of getting the guy at second. you got to charge that ball. If that ball's hit that weakly, that was probably an exit velo of, what, 75, 80 miles an hour? That was not a hard-hit ball. If that. If that. That goes to third base. Arias just waits on it. He's sitting there letting Maton slide into second. The th- First of all, Ryan Malcastle's got to pick that. Second of all, I should say. Ryan Malcastle's got to pick that. Every mm-hmm. time. Every time. That was not a great throw for Ortiz, but he really had no chance because he had to stay on the bag because of the, the bad play by Arias, and he had to kind of bounce the throw because he got nothing behind it. That's It was a tough play for, for Ortiz to make. And Malcastle has got to make that play. And there's been probably 10 of those for Malcastle this year already. That he, I've gone, wow, he needs to make that play. I think that's an exaggeration. I, 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 there's been like three. But, oh, it's but, been more than that. No, they, 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 undoubtedly been more than that. There's been like three that he hasn't picked where I was like, how did you not pick that? I, I don't know. I mean, there's been a couple from Gunnar Henderson alone 
that, well, that Malcastle should have picked. Well, but there's been a few from Mateo, the, the especially throws, early in the year. There were a few from Mateo, uh, and there's been a few from not from Frazier yet, but from the third base and, and shortstop side, there has been quite a few so far. Maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the throw that Gunner made last week from shortstop on the running play that hit Mountcastle's glove in the air and he didn't catch yeah, it. Yeah, um, a couple throws. The the throw on opening day from from Mateo. It was a bad throw, but Mountcastle's got to pick that. A lot of people yeah. think it was Mountcastle on that throw from Gunner the the day before um, the play last week, and it was actually O'Hearn at first base where he basically rolled it there and mm. it r- rolled under his glove anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, M- Mountcastle has been significantly worse defensively this year than he was last year. What do you think is behind that? Do you think it was smoke and mirrors last year? Do you think that yeah. maybe he's getting frustrated at the plate and he's taking it to the defensive side of the field? What do you think is happening there? I mean, I don't necessarily think he would have been happy with his plate appearances last year either because he didn't have yeah. as good of a year as he did his rookie year. So uh, I don't know if it's necessarily that. I just think maybe last year might have been a fluke. You look at the defensive metrics, they've dropped off the board. Every single one has shown him just take plummeting mm-hmm. in defensive value. And this year, it's becoming a problem and quick. And I think the Orioles are going to need to figure that out because it's been, you know, again, Gunnar Henderson and, and Mateo and some of the throws that he's missed should have been made. They should have been made. And Ortiz, the one last, you know, last week, it should have been made. Um, these are plays that most first basemen make. Yeah. And I know not every guy is going to be great at first base. That's the position you put generally your, you know, lesser athletic guys there. And not that Ryan Malcastle isn't athletic because his run metrics are incredible. But for some reason he just he's never been a good defender and and you know in minors he got moved off a shortstop and then he got moved off third base then he went to the outfield he got moved off there and now he's at first it's just been a rocky road for him defensively and maybe last year was a fluke i I guess that's what we have to think i don't know uh i tend to think the guy i remember chris davis in 2012 when he played first base, he wasn't a great first base. He wasn't a great defender at first base. And everybody's like, "Oh, he's got stone hands over there. He's got stone hands over there." And I looked at his career fielding percentage over there, and it was nine ninety five, yeah. which was higher than a lot of Gold Glove winning first basemen in the league, um, or Gold Glove caliber first basemen in the league. And then the next year, he was a, he was a Gold Glove finalist at first base. I think sometimes you just slump defensively. I think Mountcastle's going to figure it out. I think he's going to get every opportunity to figure so. it out because honestly. Who the hell else is going to play first base? You, you're going to play Ryan O'Hearn every day? No. You're going to play, you're going to play him? Are you going to call up Lewin Diaz and play him every day? Call up Josh Lester, who either hits a home run or is out? Um, they, they don't have any other options, which is what we're going to talk about in Orioles banter, about the, the moves that the, we thought the Orioles should have made in the offseason, the moves they did make, and how they're panning out to this point. Spoiler alert there. Uh, despite the defensive woes, the Orioles are still 17-8. and eight. Again, 1-2 straight, 9 of 10, 11 of 13, 13 of 16. The pitching's come back down to earth a little bit, but the Orioles are still winning uh, because the bullpen's been absolutely phenomenal. 274 yeah. ERA, third best in the American League, and the majors behind Tampa Bay and the New York Yankees. And that brings me to Felix Bautista, who we'll talk about quickly before we get Stan on the line. Uh, Felix, his ERA is still like 154, something along those lines. And he's 5 of 7 in, I'm, I'm sorry, he's 6 of 8 in save opportunities. But he's been erratic yeah. in his last four outings. Four outings totaling four innings pitched. He's allowed three hits and four walks. Yeah. Three hits and four walks in those outings. On Thursday, I think they said he became just the third uh, pitcher in Major League history to face six batters in an inning, walk three, and strike out three, and not allow a run. Um, What are we looking at with Felix Bautista? Are you worried? Because what seems to be hampering him now is what hampered him in the the, um, 
in the minors is, and why it took him so long to get to the major leagues because he couldn't throw strikes. And yeah. right now he seems to have lost the feel for his splitter, which is his out pitch. It's when you're throwing, when you're hitting your spots at 100 and then you're throwing a, a, a velocity differential of 12 miles an hour yeah. on a splitter that's dropping off a table, it's, it's filthy. The problem is he doesn't have control of either pitch right now and the splitter isn't moving like it used to. Are you concerned or is he and I, and I can see what's happening with him mm-hmm. uh mechanically. He's it, it was what Grayson Rodriguez was doing in his first start where he's yanking the ball. He's yeah. he's pulling his throwing arm across his body. He's falling off the mound and he's not hitting his spots because of it. Are you yeah. concerned or do you think that he's going to figure it out? Well, I I said this last week. I still think that there are so many major league hitters out there who, if that fat 100 mile an hour fastball is mislocated, are going to put a ba- you know a barrel on that. There are a mm-hmm. lot of major league hitters that can do that, and there are some that probably are, are going to swing and miss more than often. But there are some good hitters, and and Javi Baez last week you saw that uh, in Detroit was able to put a barrel on one, and that's not even that good of a hitter. And there are other guys that are going to be able to do that if the splitter isn't working and the fastball is not going to be really that much of an advantage for them either. These are major league hitters, the best guys of the best. So. I, I do think that the league is a little bit caught up there, and they start to think, okay, if the splitter is going to be that dirty, let's just wait on a fastball and wait until he mislocates one. And like you said, the mechanics are way off right now, and he's yeah. just not locating where he wants to. And again, guys are sitting on the fastball, and then they're walking if it's not even close to the zone. Things are not going necessarily well for him right now, but I actually think this is a good thing. I think it's good to face adversity because he really hasn't. This is the first time he's really faced any kind of adversity in his whole major league career, so I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that's a, probably a step towards him getting better in the long run. So I you know, I, I wish it didn't happen now, but it's better than it probably happening in, in August or September when you're deep into a yeah. chase for a playoff run. Yeah, and, and it's happening now against bad teams. So exactly. So, yeah. And so he's still getting the job done and he's he's coming through. Yeah. You you get a little bit nervous, but if I can see what the issue is, it it's he's not I'm sure he knows, he, yeah. And and he knows too. He's not square. Yeah. He and you can tell that he's trying to figure that out. Because on Thursday, his fastball was like 97 miles an hour instead of 100, 101, mm-hmm. like, we're, like we're used to seeing. You're seeing 97 is fast. It's fast as, as F. Yeah. All right. But he's throwing at 100, 101 miles an hour usually, so 97 looks slow for him. Yeah. He's still yanking across his body. He's got to figure out a way. And look, he still struck out the side. He still struck yeah. out the side around those three walks. He's got to figure out how to not pull his arm across his body, how to not fall off the mountain, how to finish square. Yeah. And maybe he's, and this is also happening with guys on base. So maybe it's one of those situations where he's now focused, he's now worried about the fact that he's so slow to the plate from the stretch yeah. that maybe he's thinking about that too. By the way, walking Tyler Nevin, who is one for 22, that should never happen. No. That should never happen. And, he, and that's a guy you probably can throw 100 miles an hour and, and put it. You know, make some misses with it, and he'll probably swing and miss. He's a guy who came up against CNL Perez earlier in the game. Perez had just walked a previous—I'm sorry—he came up against Brian Baker, mm-hmm. who had just walked a previous batter on four pitches to walk and a run, and he swings at the first three pitches, two of which were balls. Like, like Tyler Nevin is—I is, hate to say it because he's a former Oriole, he's a former first-round pick, four A player. I, I feel bad for the guy, but he's not—he's not a major league player. No, he's not good. He—he's not any good, and he is letting—he's getting himself out. At this point, and you still manage to walk him there in the ninth yeah. inning. Uh, that's something that's got that, that you well, just can't do. Frankly, half the Tigers' lineup is in that same boat, in my opinion. I yeah. I don't really think there's much danger in that lineup at all. Oh, they they're the worst offense in baseball. They're averaging three runs. Yeah, I mean, you face Miguel Cabrera these days, and it's 
I mean, yeah, he he should have retired three years ago. But he he's wanted no, he, he's no threat. <laughs> he want he wanted to get. Uh, we got to get Stan on the line. He wanted to get to three thousand hits, and he had and he has a one year left on his contract. The, the the Tigers. It's not like they have somebody that's banging down the door to replace him yet. So I can understand why he stuck around for a little bit. But that dude's hitting seventh or eighth every year, every night now. Uh, today's show, while we got Stan on the line, is brought to you by PressBox Online Offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sports book offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim your incentive today. Joining us now on the line for his weekly segment, he is back. He is Stan the Fan. Charles, Stan, good morning. How are you? Good, good guys. How you doing? Doing well. We're doing well, Stan. And we were just talking about Felix Bautista, and his uh, he's been a bit erratic in his last four outings. Now, the good news is it's coming against bad teams. So... He's still been getting the job done, but his whip, his last four outings is 1.75. He has the one blown save in there. Uh, three three hits, four walks. To me, Santa looks like he's kind of yanking his pitches. It looks like he's pulling his um his throwing arm across his body, falling off the mound. Have you seen the same thing, and are you concerned at all, or do you think it's something they'll get figured out? I think they'll get it figured out. I'm, I'm not that... Uh, I'm, I'm not that much of a pitching coach uh so i I haven't noticed that clearly his control isn't what it uh, had been last year no question about it yeah it it looks to me like he seems to have lost the feel for a splitter every now and again he'll he'll pop off a good one um but if that pitch isn't in the zone and he's struggling to find his home with his fastball um he's gonna struggle a little bit but again it's against bad teams he was really good at the beginning of the year which it still is and he was really good last year i think he'll get it figured out too now stan the orioles seem to have figured out how did to you, win. did you i'm just curious did you did you like bringing him in the other night with a four-run lead um so it was a, got a four-game series in front of us you pitched the night before now it's turned out he got a day of rest uh yesterday uh, like the whole staff, but I didn't like it. I, I would have stuck with Keegan Aiken. Stan, I didn't like it either, which is strange to say because I've never been the biggest Keegan Aiken supporter, uh, but he's been really good yeah. recently, and when your team is mm-hmm. up by four runs in the ninth inning, yeah, I, I, I was kind of scratching my head too knowing that you have a four-game series coming up. I think you're absolutely correct, and it's right in the middle of 10 days in a row, um, 10, games, yeah. 10 games in a row without a break. I, I agree with you, Stan. 100% there. I thought the same thing. Um, now, the possibility is that he's seeing some of what you're talking about and wanted to get him straightened out against a lesser opponent, but it was uh, it was an, uh, probably the ugliest outing I've seen him have since, since, I, you know, uh, since he came on the radar. That was a bad outing. Yeah, yeah, but you know what though he didn't he didn't allow anything. He managed to get through it. The Orioles managed to pick up the win. Um, I I thought he was equally bad on Thursday. I mean, he faced six hitters, Stan. He walked three and struck out three. So you take the good with the bad, I suppose. But again, it's good that he's doing it against the softer opponents right now because they've got a gauntlet coming up the second starting the second week of or actually the first weekend in May. Uh, with Atlanta, then Tampa Bay, they've got the Yankees, the Angels, the Blue Jays, the the Guardians. It's going to be a tough May schedule, so hopefully he can get it figured out soon. And that brings me to the Orioles as a whole, Stan. They haven't really put mm-hmm. their best effort together uh, for the season. They they either hit the hell out of the ball and don't pitch well, or they pitch really well and don't hit. 
yet they've managed to keep on winning. They've won 9 of 10. They've won 11 of 13, 13 of 16. They've won every series but two, including six straight. They're 9-0 and in series openers, 17-8 and on the year. That's the first Orioles team in franchise history with 17 wins before the end of April. See, and the question here is, is this team special or are they just, they just playing soft opponents at this point? It's probably a little bit of both. I'm I'm not willing to say the Orioles are a special team yet after you know 25 games, but uh, but they clearly, um, unlike unlike the Orioles, we've followed the last four or five years under this rebuild, and and the last couple years under the Duquette Showalter regime, they they show an ability to come back from games that I hadn't seen, you know, in those teams. And those were bad teams, frankly. Uh, but I like, you know, the other night they're down 3 nothing and 4 nothing, and it was like nothing. They just scored five runs, like boom. And uh, that's, a, that's a good sign on a team when they, when they don't feel like they're out of ball games. Yeah, uh, Stan, 17 wins and nine of them. Our comeback victories already. Mm-hmm. They've it's it's and, and they were they were pretty damn good at that last year about at, at coming back. I don't know the record off the top of my head, but I know that they were kind of the cardiac kids last year, where they had the ability to come back, yeah. especially late in ball games. Yeah, they they did a pretty good job of that last year, but this year it's it's like a whole different level. You know, this isn't even where they're cardiac kids most of the time. Most of these comebacks kind of come. They just erupt out of nowhere, you know. It's mm-hmm. not like you're, it's not like you're scratching your fingers and biting your fingers and going, "Can we come back?" They just suddenly they, they have the lead. You yeah, know? They, they... I know it's not a real scientific explanation of it, but it's uh, it's been impressive to watch. Well, I so mean... while I'm not while I'm not saying they're special yet, there's a, there's certain special qualities that they have that I like. You know. Well, uh, Stan, let, let me ask you something then. And I, I'm kind of stealing a little bit of the thunder from Zach's and my uh, Orioles banter segment coming up later in the show. But what do the Orioles need then to be special? Uh, be, be, because they haven't been able to click on all cylinders yet, yet they still have the, the third best record in baseball at this point. Uh, they're on the cusp of being a really great baseball team. But it feels like there's a little bit of something missing there, and I think it's in in the lineup. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, for the most part, I, I wrote. It was interesting. I wrote uh, an observation column about ten, twelve days ago, and I and I said one of the things that they really needed to improve on was the bench of the team. And since that, then they've added O'Hearn. They brought him up like a day or two later, and then they brought up Joey uh, Ortiz. Uh, who you know, uh, he's he's driven in as many runs as Ryan McKenna in one game. You know, yeah. Um, the bench on this team, I lo- I still like the catcher. I know McCann's not hitting really well, but I like him as my backup catcher. Yeah, and even even given I like him even more that he's in a situation where he's going to play a little more than most backup catchers. Uh, I think that will in the end that will help him get his swing back together and his offense because he, he was a pretty good offensive player for a couple of years with Detroit. Um, uh, but, but I'd say the bench is a little weak and I'd say if you could swap out now, I know, I know Kevin Brown seems to be 
mystified that uh, Ryan Mountcastle just just can't get a break, mm-hmm. and that his heart rate is incredible. But to me, if there was a guy in the middle of that lineup that was getting the job done, uh, and maybe Ryan will do that, uh, I would feel a lot better about the overall roster. That probably has something to do with the fact that he's not, other than that one game he had nine RBIs. I mean, what was it, six RBIs? Nine. How many nine. RBIs did he have? Nine, it was nine RBIs. Two, two home runs, nine RBIs. Yeah, right, right, nine RBIs. Other than that one game, his production has been, you know, less than stellar. And I'd say Santander hasn't been really showing signs of coming out of it, but he hasn't been real, real good yet either. Yeah, so. no, he, he absolutely hasn't. And my big concern coming at the end of last year and coming into this year was keeping those guys hitting 3-4 in your order. I think that more, that more often than not, they should be hitting 5-6. But you don't have that guy that can hit in the middle of yeah. the, in the middle of the order. Yeah, to your that. point of, to your point about about James McCann, uh, there's juice in that bat. He hits a lot of baseballs hard. Um so I I like yeah. him as a backup catcher. I was at the game on Monday when he threw the guy out a second from his knees. That was awesome. Right. When he I, when he's in the lineup, I have much more confidence in that than when than when it was Robinson Chirinos last year. I I love well, the McCann yeah. addition. Yeah. Yeah. I I like him as an addition. And, you know, I just, I'm continually, look, I get, I get that Mountcastle hits the ball in some bad luck and he hits it hard. But at the end of the day, a guy with that much talent or in that position in your team where he's going to play every single day, he's got to do more overall. Because you take that one nine RBI game out of his, out of his resume this year. And it's an eleven RBI guy. Yeah, four home yeah. runs, eleven RBIs. Who has yeah. Stan? When he walked on Thursday, it was his first walk in three weeks. It was just his second walk yeah. since opening day. He has yeah. got to. T- he swing. He's so aggressive, which I don't mind to a certain extent. But he's so aggressive. He's making a lot of first or second pitch outs, and he's got to be willing to take a pitch, especially hitting in the middle of the order. Now, if he's doing what he's doing from the five or six hole in the lineup, I can live with that. But you don't have somebody. I thought that maybe they should back Rutschman clean up, but they love him in the two hole. And Gunner hasn't gotten off to mm-hmm. a good start. And once Gunner picks it up, I think that this team's offense is going to get that much better. But right now, Gunner, Mountcastle, and Santander yeah. hitting in the middle of the order and struggling the way they are has not been good for the team. I, I think you got to move Mateo up. Well, Unda- they did today. undoubtedly. He, and he is today. I, but that's, I, only- that's that's where. That's where I'd be going with this batting order. Yeah, you know, I, I think moving the tail. They only did it today, though, especially because... against especially against left-handed starters. Yeah, I, I would that... probably have I would probably have Mateo leading off with Hayes batting second, and okay. Rutschman third, yeah. Santander fourth, and Mountcastle fifth. Well, I was going to yeah. ask you about that, Stan. Have you been pleased with Mullins' production in the leadoff spot? He's been very hot lately, extremely hot. But it seems like yeah, every I mean, time he's... they. Good. I I think some of his good production has come from the fact that uh, the managers dropped them down some, you know, yeah. at times against uh, left-handed today, today pitchers. batting seventh. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, I I like Mullins is having a nice season so far. Yeah, he, and, and he's walking. Anderson, more. Look, I I love the fact we're one sixth of the way through the season right now, roughly. You know, and I love the fact that if you multiply. 16 times 6, you'd have Gunnar Henderson walking close to 100 times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
right? Yeah, Mullins, but, but Henderson, like and Rutschman. You like the six times? You like the six times twenty-eight strikeouts? That that was not what I was expecting out of him. See, I, I think know? both walks and strikeouts are due to go down though, because when he starts hitting, he's not going to have the chance to walk as much, and he'll probably won't strike out nearly as much as he is right now. So I think yeah. those will eventually yeah. even out, where he won't get probably to hundred walks. But I guess it's promising to see when a guy is hitting two hundred, but also walking. A little bit more than you expect him to. So, Stan, the way I look at Gunner right now is 2021 Gunner versus 2022 Gunner, where he's going to walk a lot. He's going to strike out more than he walks, but then he's going to figure it out. I think that that next year, and you hate to look forward to next next year already, I think he's going to put it together, but I think that you might see him top out at about 250 this year. And then in the offseason, he's going to be like, all right, I know what I need to work on. And then you'll see him kind of take that jump from 2023 to 2024 that you saw from 21 to 2021 to 2022 in the minors. That's the type of player that he strikes me as yeah. is somebody who's going to figure it out in the offseason and improve upon the weaknesses. No question. There's no question. He's an extremely young player. You know, mm-hmm. I did not foresee the problems he's had. I didn't expect we'd be talking about a 194 batting average for Gunnar yeah. Henderson. You know, but by the same token, it's not like I've lost faith in him. Sure. Uh, even even if it comes down to sending him down to the minors. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's uh, April 29th. There's, there's been a lot of lot of players. Yeah, he's got a lot of time in front of him. Trust me. Yeah. Now, Joey Ortiz, he gets the call, Stan. He was the first uh, minor league short uh, infield prospect to get called up by the by the Orioles this year. Taron Vavra sent down as a corresponding move. Ortiz gets a start and gets his first start in his first game. Goes one for three with a two run single, uh, sacrifice fly. He got robbed of a hit in his first at bat. Uh, he was he was a major part of the Orioles' victory on Thursday. That glove is we've been told it's elite. It looks elite. It's been major league ready for probably two years now. Do you anticipate that Ortiz, and he's in the lineup today, again, for the second straight game, is he going to get a lot of run here, and at whose expense? Um, it, it could come eventually at Gunner's, uh, you know, expense. You know, um, I mean, I don't think the club's going to lose faith in Gunnar Henderson, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think they'd like, I, you know, I looked up the batting average today before it went on. Frazier's hitting like 213. Yeah. But yet, I see a professional hitter there, you know, not not really concerned about him. But I think Ortiz is going to get some playing time, you know. Yeah. I, I think he'll, you know, I, I think the, the, uh, he'll get his at-bats right now. I think they really want to explore what he adds to the team. You know? And the other thing about that, Stan, is that when you have either Arias, Mateo, and Ortiz, or Arias, Mateo, and Frazier around the infield, uh, third to second, that's your that's your best defensive lineup, and you hate to say it because Gunner's a good defender, but the throws have been erratic. The defense has been erratic to this point, just like the rest of his game. Ortiz gives them the better opportunity uh, to get more from their starting pitchers right now, even if it's by a slim margin than Gunner Henderson does. I never thought about the idea that it could be Ortiz getting taking the playing time away from Gunner. I still don't think that that necessarily would be the case. Although I don't believe Gunner's playing in the first game of the doubleheader today, and Ortiz is. So there may be something to that. Were you surprised though that it wasn't Jordan Westberg who's been tearing the cover off the ball down in Norfolk? That it wasn't uh, Westberg called up because he can also play the outfield. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. If I had 
if I had read the tea leaves that they were about to make that move with Vavra, my guess would have been Jordan Jordan Westberg, you know, uh, would have come up before Joey Ortiz. But, uh, um, you know, whatever the reason, I think they, they may feel that uh, they like the idea of having somebody that can play really strong defense at the shortstop position. Yeah. You know what? That's that's the excellent point. If you have somebody that can play really good shortstop when Mateo need, needs a blow here and there, that's the ideal situation. And it's not like Ortiz has been a slouch at the AAA level either. He's been hitting like three fifty since the middle of last year there. So it, it's the move makes sense, especially when you consider the glove. I, I mean, look, we all love uh, Mateo, what he, what he offers. His injuries seem to come out of nowhere, you know. Uh, Mateo, and I'm not saying that they've they've said, "Hey, we got to do something by shoring up shortstop because Mateo's injury prone." But his injuries seem seemingly come a lot of times where he'll just swing the swing the bat and get hurt, or start to run down first base and gets hurt. So uh, they may have felt more comfortable with uh, Ortiz up here right now. Yeah, no, I, I and I and I get that now. Uh, Stan, the, the Orioles, a lot of the reason they've been able to stay so competitive right now is the bullpen has been absolutely nasty. And it seems like it was just two weeks ago, because it was, that we were talking about our major concerns with the bullpen. You blink your eyes, Stan. Now they have a 274-unit ERA, third in the American League and the majors, behind just Tampa Bay and New York Yankees. Of course, they're two division rivals. Uh, CNL Perez, the one weak link, he seems to put two or three guys on every inning that he comes in. When Dylan Tate and Michael Givens are ready to come back, is that the end of the line for CNL Perez? Because he's the one guy that you don't really trust at this point. Well, he is the one guy you don't really trust, but he is the one dominant left-hander they have. So I'm I'm not so sure that we'll we'll see that be the end of the road for him. Um, we'll, we'll see. I. I don't have a crystal ball to figure out how they're gonna how they're gonna do this, you know. Sure. Um, I know teams are I know teams are reticent to give up on players that had a special season the year before, you know. That uh, they they try and figure it out by taking the path of least resistance, which would be the guys that are optionable before you do that. So um, like I don't see them just giving up because Perez has no options, right? Yeah, he's completely out of options. It's either you DFA him and, and you're going to lose yeah. him, or yeah. you trade him, or yeah. I don't I, keep him. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking down at uh, Norfolk. Darwin's and Hernandez has really been kind of interesting. Nine innings pitch, fourteen strikeouts, but that's replacing seeing out Perez with another guy that you'd have to get on the roster. You know. So you'd have to do something. I, I just don't see. I don't see them making a move on Perez yet, unless unless they're convinced it's unfixable. And I don't see. I don't see it being unfixable. Yeah, I I, I would probably agree, Stan. I want to move on real quick and ask about the Pittsburgh Pirates yep. because they're in a very similar situation to the Orioles. They're now eighteen and eight. Uh, Brian Reynolds has been really good and just you know signed a contract extension a few weeks ago with them. Do you believe in what the Pittsburgh Pirates are doing, or is this just kind of, you know, an early season hot streak? Um, I, you know, I don't watch them play that much, you know, but I, I've, I've, I've observed that they're what sixteen and eight too. You know, they're eighteen they've and got eight. The, 
18 and 8. So they've got the second best record in baseball, correct? Yep, yep. Right now? Yeah. Um, I think there's a little more going on there than just smoke and mirrors, you know, that they just got off to a good start. I think that they've they've got some stuff going on there and I, they got that that kid uh what's his J A E is he a Korean kid? Oh, uh J- yes. Jai? Yes, I Yeah, he he seems like he's getting a lot of big hits. Uh, of course, Reynolds is getting a lot of big hits. Um, they they just look like they have something going on there. I'm 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 taken by every time I look up in the scoreboard, I see that they're not only leading, but they're getting well pitched games as well. Stan, are you um, thinking of Connor Joe? So, Connor Joe, I think is who yeah. you're thinking of. No, it's not. Connor oh, not Joe. Connor Joe. It's okay, the other guy. It's a it's a oh, the G- guy that G- Juan Bay. Bay, Bay. Yeah. Okay. B-A-B. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ten both, stolen bases. Well, both he and Joe are getting a lot of big hits. Yeah. Yeah. They. They. Um, their lineup I, is doing a lot of things right now, and they're stealing a lot of bases yeah. too. They have one, two. Three, I mean, look, four there. Guys are, four I, stolen I, bases. I. I haven't watched a Pirates game from start to finish the whole year, and haven't talked to anybody, but they've crept up, and they're like number thirteen in my power rankings right now. So. Uh, it's been observed that they're pretty darn good. And I think, didn't they beat the Dodgers two out of three just this past week? Yeah, it seems like they're beating everybody two out of three. And their yep. their pitching staff, yep. Stan, they're getting a lot of innings out of all their starters. They, everybody except Rich Hill has an ERA below four, and Rich Hill's four and a half. So he's getting you, I mean, if you stretch that out, that's three runs and six yeah, innings. It, yeah, his first two or three outings, he was absolutely horrible, Hill. But he's pitched better. And they've got a guy right now that's on a roll with closing games, David Bednar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing a sensational job right now. So good for uh, the manager there, Craig Shelton. Uh, he got an extension. Uh, Brian Reynolds got an extension. So there's a little bit of a feel-good story brewing there in Pittsburgh. And uh, while I never shed a tear when the Steelers lose, I uh, I'd like to see Pittsburgh have a much more representative baseball team because I love that park. It's a wonderful oh, it's baseball gorgeous. park. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. Oh yeah, it, it, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, Stan, before we let you go, Jackson Holiday got the promotion from Delmarva up to Aberdeen. He's been absolutely crushing it since he made his pro debut in Delmarva. He was hitting three. He was slashing. Excuse me, uh, three fifty one with. Um, Three a five twenty three on base percentage, six sixty seven slugging, and eleven ninety OPS in fifty one plate appearances with a fourteen to twelve walk to strikeout ratio. He goes to high A, hitless his first two games, and then triples and homers in his first two at bats in his third game. How special is Jackson Holiday, and has he surprised even you at this point? Um, you know, again, he's not a player I've seen a lot, sure. but but you just you just hear people talk about him and how special he is. And we had Creed Willem on uh, Glenn show yesterday, uh, the catcher down at Delmarva. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, I know we had you on to talk about you, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you how special is Watson this Jackson holiday. And he said, it's just amazing. You know, and I'm looking forward to heading out to Aberdeen, catch a couple games because he is, uh, Certainly a special, special player. We've got the GM, Jack Graham, on Monday night, and we'll talk about some of the preparations and 
how long they think they'll have them there. You know, uh, I mean, the, the only thing negative about about him coming to Aberdeen is you wonder, is it going to be for two, three months, or could it be like four or five weeks, and then all of a sudden he's up the buoy like that, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, and, and it'll be sure doesn't look like he's sure doesn't look like he's going to spend a lot of time at any one place. You know? Yeah, he's he looks like a special talent, and then you heard I, he was on um, MLB Central yesterday morning, and just seems like a fantastic kid. On on top of that, yeah. and he's talking about his brother Ethan, um, who's a sophomore in high school. He's 16 years old, and he's already got like right. 10, 10 home runs. He said Ethan's the best player of the entire family, which is crazy yeah. to think about. Um, when when you think about well, all the talent in that family, well, the the his father was one of my favorite players. I just loved watching him hit. It was always exciting to me to watch Matt Holiday hit. And Jackson's a different type of hitter, but uh, he, he sure looks like he's going to be a very very special player. Yeah, it, it's it's super exciting that he's in the Orioles system. That's absolutely for sure. All right, Stan, you said you got Jack Graham coming up on Monday night. Anything else we can plug for you before we let you go today? Thursday night, we've got uh, uh, T.J. Brightman and Jennifer Grandal from the Orioles talking a little bit about how the club is, uh, you know, working in tandem with the, the, play, the playing team on the field, how they're working in tandem to start to get people out at the ballpark and what they're doing in the community and all the, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff. Oh, excellent. We, we, we'll look forward to that. And, Stan, I might be catching a game myself out in Aberdeen this coming week. Maybe I will see you out there. All right. Have All a, right. Sounds good. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Bye. See you. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who continues to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan, Ross, and Luke Jackson had an Orioles powwow while Stan and Gary took the week off so that Glenn and Ken Zales could do a special NFL Draft reaction show. You can find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. And again, Stan and Ross are back this Monday night for another great show with Aberdeen Ironbirds general manager Jack Graham. Zach, it is time for you to sound off. Yeah, so uh, the Cardinals did something this week uh, that I don't think many people really agreed with, and I'm going to talk it. Th- I'm going I'm to talk the decision through. I want to talk about it from both sides because I can kind of see both mm-hmm. sides of this decision, but I am firmly. Uh, I think I have pretty firm firm facts and, and ways to back it up on both sides. So I'm going to talk it through. Uh, they sent down Jordan Walker, a guy that they they drafted uh, just three years ago uh, in the 2020 draft. He was picked in the first round as the 21st overall pick. So far this year, uh, he made his major league debut and he opened with the team on opening day. He had a hitting streak going for a while. He I think was it was pl- like 17 games. It was long. He was it was hitting well. Uh, his batting average is 274. His on base percentage a little lower at 321 than you would expect it to be. Um, and his OPS plus was 101. So he's a 1% better hitter than uh, the rest of guys in major league baseball. He was about an average hitter. Uh, he wasn't hitting for a ton of power. Only had two home runs, and the extra base hits weren't really there either. Uh, it was mainly just you know singles and and not incredibly hard hit balls. But the hitting streak stayed alive for a while. They sent him down this week, um, and I, I'm not exactly sure if, who the move was in favor of him, uh, but Walker is 21 years old. He's a big righty, tons of power, and will develop, I think, one day into a really good major league hitter. But the big problem is he struggled with defense, and his defensive war was negative 0.1 this year uh, in 
in relation to a positive offensive war. So there were some things going wrong with him uh, in, in, on the defensive side of things. He can play third base. He can play the corner outfield spots. He was mainly playing uh, right field this year. That's all he actually ever played. Um, and they expect him to, to kind of move around a little bit as he gets older. But I think, and you see with the Orioles doing this with Gunnar Henderson, I think you've got to let these guys, we're 21 and 22, get up and figure it out. Gunnar Henderson has not been as good of a defender as we thought he was going to be so far. He's made some mistakes. He hasn't been sound there. And Jordan Walker has not been a sound defender either. And Jordan Walker... He plays right field. He plays right field, but he's gonna. They, they want him to play third base. They want him to play the corner spots, too. I think he's just there as a matter of need because you do have, obviously, Nolan Arenado at, and at third base. And Paul so, Goldschmidt. And Paul Goldschmidt at first base, too. They're both gold glovers. Yeah, right. So it's kind of hard to put him anywhere else. Uh, right field is... Still, not to say it's not a taxing position, but it's not exactly the most uh, difficult position in the world either. You expect him to be a little better than he probably has been out there. Again, the, the defensive metrics have not been good for him at all so far. And that's, I think, their basis of sending him down. And I get that, but I think you've got to let these 21-year-old guys, especially a guy like Jordan Walker that's probably going to be a superstar one day, sit up here and figure it out. It's not like the Cardinals have been good, and I don't necessarily think they're going to be better without him. I don't think you can give up a bat like that who has a 330 on base percentage and no PS over 710. I I'm not sure that's a smart decision for them. I don't think anybody they um, you know can replace him with is more valuable than letting this guy just sit up here and learn, get better defensively, get the bat going. And it's not even like the bat was that bad so far. I I just don't see this from the Cardinals' perspective um, the way a lot of people have. It, it, I get you wanting to improve on defense. I can understand that. But I think there's a lot of reasons, too, that he should just stay up here and actually learn. Yeah, I, 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 I w- when you texted me this morning about him being sent down, I was shocked. I didn't hear that. It hit a massive home run at AAA it, last yeah, night. Yeah, a massive home run at AAA last night. I was actually just looking at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still don't see who got called up to replace him. Yeah, I'm going to try to figure that out. Um, I- but... 274. The numbers are not bad. Yeah, the numbers aren't bad. They, he's in a 7-for-35 slide, which is a 200 batting average. That's baseball. Gunnar Henderson's hitting 194. Right, right. You know? And, and Jordan Walker, he started the year with a 12-game hitting streak, and he's three weeks shy of his 21st birthday. He's 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, it, to me, it, it, it's just like maybe they don't need him right now. And it's like you know what we want when, when he's here when we do finally call him up for good we want him to be yeah like an impact bat and so right now let him become that impact bat get a little more confidence I can see that I don't know man I would have kept him so Taylor Motter uh, is the guy that's replaced him Taylor Motter is a 33 year old uh, whose career batting average is one at 92 so I don't know I, I that that's a place where I just don't get it is he an outfielder. Taylor Motter is, he can play everywhere. He's kind of a utility guy. Oh, so okay. He's infield, outfield. He's been around for a while, kind of just a utility man who's bounced around from Boston to Cincinnati to Colorado to Seattle to Minnesota and to Tampa. So he's been everywhere. This guy's been, you know, he's well, well-traveled. I, I don't get that decision to me. No. The, 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 what, wow. The, well, the, he, what, the, here's, what, here's my big question for you. Why would you put a guy on an opening day roster if he's, you know, if what he does is so bad that you're going to just send him down in April. Well, because he was a monster in spring training. He's yeah. one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Um, in some publications, he is the top prospect yeah. in, in all of baseball. And they thought, you know what? Let's give this kid a shot to see if he can be an impact bat immediately. And he hasn't been. He's been a decent bat. He hasn't been an impact bat. 
and maybe they feel like, hey, you know what? If we let's send him down to AAA, let him absolutely mash for three weeks, and then bring him up so that he has that confidence. Because a lot of this, yeah. maybe he's pressing. Maybe what they're seeing from him is somebody who's lost a little bit of confidence because he he was getting the hits, but the power wasn't there, and he's probably yeah. used to having that kind of power. Let's send him down. He, he mashes a home run. What his first game down to AAA? Yeah. Let's let him get the, get his feet under him a little bit. Get back to to hitting the ball hard consistently, and then mm-hmm. we'll bring him up when he has more confidence because he knows we believe in him. That's why we put him on the on the uh, opening day roster. We know he can hit. He had, he opened the game the season with a twelve game hitting streak. Uh, once he starts hitting for more power, let's bring him back up for See, good. I, I think if this is a defensive issue purely, not to mention I'm not defending the move. I think they should have kept it. Yeah, it, it makes sense to me. But if this is a purely defensive issue where they're saying the defense is not good enough, you would have thought they would have seen that in spring training. He yeah. played a lot in spring training. So if you are if you would have had to say, okay, this is the defensive move only, and we think that there are three guys out there who are better than him, and maybe they think Taylor Motter is a better defender than him, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's something they should have seen in spring training and said, okay, he needs one month in AAA at least to figure out these defensive things, and mm-hmm. then we'll bring him back up, and let's see what he's, you know, he's going to do at the major league level. That, to me, is, is the questionable part of this. Yeah, wouldn't, I- you, wouldn't you have expected this? Yeah, and, and I don't understand why you can't just play. I mean, I get that Nolan Gorman's an infielder. Why can't you just put Nolan Gorman down on right field and, Not only and, that. and, and let Walker DH? I mean, if Taren, I was going to say, if there's Ta- a DH in the NL now. If, if Taren, because Nolan Gorman's getting the majority of the bats mm-hmm. at DH, if Taren Vavra and Ryan, Fra- Ryan Frazier, well, if Taren Vavra and Adam Frazier can play left field and right field, there's no reason Nolan Gorman can't. Yeah, I mean, and one of the other guys they have up and uh, playing left field every day is Alec Burleson. And Alec Burleson's on base percentage is 280. Yeah. And he's another guy they expect to be good one day. I mean, he's only 24 years old, and they, I think they expect some good things out of him. But still. But at 24, maybe he's had more of an opportunity to, that's, to, that's to fair. prove himself at AAA than Jordan Walker has. Burleson last year was a 188, 264, 271 hitter at the major league level. How many games did he get? How many he got uh, only four. 48 at-bats, 53 yeah. plate appearances. At AAA last year, he hit 331 uh, with 20 home runs. So he had a good, num- really good numbers. And he's, he's got nothing left to prove at AAA. Yeah, they so, like that, that's fair. That's, that's a fair argument. And maybe he's a better defender than Jordan yeah, Walker. Jo- I mean, Jordan Walker, that was his first ever home run at AAA, which means yeah. he didn't get much time, if any. I, actually, he got no time at AAA. He mm-hmm. mo- made the move from AA. Straight up, yeah. Exactly. So they're probably sending him down saying, you know what, prove, prove to us that you're the guy we think you are at AAA, yeah. and you won't be down there long. Yeah. I I anticipate that he'll he it he has to stay down for 15 days unless I believe it's 15 days unless there's an injury. Yeah. I find it hard to believe he'll be down there much longer than that. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. You know. But look, we got to catch our first break. Want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the latest edition of Press Box, which is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kelby Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher uh, Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down the progress, what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Got to catch a break when we come back. Um, the payoff pitch around the league. That's next on the Bat Around. 
Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Welcome back to the Bat Around Oh, say, have you seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball <laughs> parks? PressBox is giving you the chance to check out all of them this summer. Head over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball baseball teams. One easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25. He's a, he's a transponder. That's not even a word. And $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. That was a friend's reference. Oh, I know. Must be 18 or older to enter, and the sweepstakes end June 14th. So get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. He's a transponder. Yeah, that, that, that's when they're playing that game, and, and the they apartment. ask what Chandler's job is. And, uh -huh. and, and Monica, or and, uh, Rachel it, says he's it's a transponder, and Monica with yells something at him. with Oh, I know, I know. He's, he's a, he's a transponder. Uh -huh. That's not even a word. Yep. I By the way, I was, I'm surprised you hit that uh, that last note. And <laughs> Osei, can you see? Yeah. <laughs> you hit it. Yeah, I got to well, give you, you that. Know, you know, not, not, not. He was singing to the car the whole way here. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
I've been told I'm the songbird of this generation. Oh, yeah. So That's by, another movie by, reference. By, yes. Will, Will Ferrell, right? Yep. Um, yeah. By myself. I've told myself that. Yeah. No, I am. Um, I can carry it to Laura doesn't like your singing? Laura doesn't hate my singing. She lets me sing in the car when we're in the car together, and she doesn't complain about it. And every every single time without fail, I say, I'm sorry if I'm ruining the song. She goes, I don't care that you're singing. You know, <laughs> so as long as I'm not talking to her, I think she's okay. <laughs> um, that stupid Dear Maria Count Me In song, you listen to that one, singing that song. Zach said that All Time Low is like Green Day, but it's, it's, worse. It's, bad, it's sound, bad Green Day. They sound nothing alike. Oh, I disagree with that. that totally. Uh, uh, first it's of very, all, it's that very 90s, early 2000s sound. All those no, bands no, sound no, the no, same. No, no. For, first but of Green all, Day I do like. First of all, I hate Green Day now. What? I hate Green Day. Gre- Dookie? How? Awesome album. Awesome album. Ever since American Idiot, I can't stand Green Day, and I think that their lead singer, what's his name, Billy Joe? It's kind of weird. He is so <laughs> freaking full yeah. of himself. He is so full of himself. I'm not, okay. I, I, they're, not, just, they're not Bruce Springsteen. And they, they haven't put out a good song in 15 years. Okay, I don't disagree with that. They Every, put it now, everything now, I like from Green Day look, is early 2000s. All Time Low, I like All Time Low. They're one of my new favorite bands it's from right Towson. They're from Towson. They went to Delaney Valley High School where all my cousins went. But all, my, the, my cousins, uh, my mom's sister's kids... They all went to Delaney High School. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a special connection there for me. And all of All Time Low's new stuff, I think, is absolutely fantastic. Their, their stuff when they first came out in 2003 through 2009-ish, some of it I can take, some of it I, I, I can't. I like Dear Maria Count Me and took a, took a, took a while so for that. So does Ryan Malcastle. It took a while for that to grow on me. Some of their other songs, it's very much that emo sound from the yep. early to mid-2000s. Yep. So I can understand that. Their new stuff is fantastic. It sounds nothing like Green Day. It's almost like their new stuff sounds like a mix of Green Day and Imagine Dragons. <laughs> That's what I got out that of that. That is so awful. <laughs> like, like, like I, I, you know I, that they're, they're, you they're, know what? they're friends with, with Glenn Clark. Interesting. Like, like, they're friends with Glenn Clark. And you're gonna cause them not to want to come back. You're making that stupid comparison. They're like, imagine, time, they're like I, imagine Dragons, who everybody thinks is one of the douchiest bands out there, and Green Day, who's been one of the douchiest bands for 20 years. That's I don't a think comparison. All Time Low is listening to the show right now. They I, might I, be. You, they're, they're from here. They might be baseball fans. Don't maybe. discount the bat around. Yeah, we almost got Adam Jones on the show today. We almost did. Almost. Did. What's the progress on that? By he, the way, he ghosted me. Oh. Nah, it's it's okay. He's a busy guy. He's got his own yeah. podcast going on. He's Adam freaking Jones. We, we, should, at, we should just have Jerry Coleman on the at, other side. At, at some point, I know Adam will get back to me. Mm-hmm. We were speaking the other day. He said he was going to check his Saturday schedule, and then I didn't hear back from him. That's okay. That's happened plenty of times yep. in the past. It happened with Arrestus Destrade a, a few times. He's been on the show like 12 times. Yep. All right, so <laughs> I'm not concerned about it. When Adam Jones is able to come on the show, he will. I have no gripes about it. These these things happen with Ben McDonald. We always talk with Ben for like forty minutes, and there's been a couple times where I haven't heard back from him. It's fine. They're busy people, and I'm sure we're not at the top of their priority list. Yeah. Um. So no issues there with Adam Jones. We tried to get him on the show today, to no avail. I'm sure we will in the coming weeks for sure. And with that in mind, it is time for the payoff pitch around the league. Very beautifully said. Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, and Jose Miranda each homered, and former Oriole uh, Jorge Lopez, who has yet to allow a run in 12 games this season, picked up just his second save as the Twins overtook the Royals 8-6. to Former Oriole Jordan Lyles allowed seven runs in four innings in the loss, driving him to 0-5 with a 6-11 ERA. Gene Segura drove in two runs, including the game winner on a walk-off single in the ninth, and Jesus Lazardo allowed two runs over six in the third strong innings to lead the Marlins past the Cubs 3-2. to 
Alec Manoa and Luis Castillo squared off in the pitcher's duel, but each lasted just five innings, allowing two runs, and then it became a battle of the bullpens, and the Jays was incredible, allowing no, no base runners and striking out eight over four perfect innings, and George Springer secured the needed offense with a run score, provided, I'm sorry, the, the needed offense with a run scoring single in the sixth to put the Jays on top for good over the Mariners 3-2. to two. The bottom three hitters for Cleveland each tallied an RBI, while Shane Bieber, Bieber allowed two runs in seven innings as the Guardians stopped the Red Sox 5-2. to two. You remember the episode of The Office? Do you watch The Office? Oh, I've seen every episode uh, probably 30 times. Uh, who's Justice Bieber? Yeah. Well, uh, well, well, a crime-fighting Bieber. <laughs> um, that's what made me laugh when I said Shane Bieber. Um I, Isak Paredes and Manuel Margot combined for six hits and two RBIs to back up Zach Eflin's two-run, five-inning performance in the Rays' 3-2 victory over the White Sox. Matt Olson hit a three-run homer in the Braves' four-run fifth, and Max Fried struck out seven in a range-shortened five-inning complete game, 4 nothing shutout of the Mets. Robbie Grossman homered and doubled twice, driving in two to lead the Rangers past the Yankees 5-2, but the big story is Jacob deGrom, who left his start in the fourth inning with forearm tightness as the oft-injured ace has apparently suffered another setback. Kyle Schwarber homered and Aaron Nola dominated, allowing Run, one run in eight strong innings as the Phillies dropped the Astros 3-1. to one. Willie Adamas homered and Wade Miley was strong once again in the most disgusting performance of the, of the year so far with six innings of one run ball as the Brewers kept on winning, defeating the Angels 2-1. to one Willie Adamas, you say? And I say disgusting because Willie Adamas homered and Wade freaking Miley still looks like Cy Young. Your your vendetta against uh, I hate Willie Adamas makes no sense to me, but uh, because he's he's good, he's not great. He's a two thirty hitter who hit thirty home runs last year, and he's like the guy who somehow puts the Brewers over the freaking top offensively. He is a know. mediocre uh, offensive baseball player, but for some reason he is the catalyst for them playing good baseball for the last three years. It makes no effing sense to me. And Wade Miley can go get aft. He, he, oh, wow. he pitches for Baltimore for two, for a season oh. and a half, and he was the worst pitcher in baseball. And ever since he left here, he's freaking Cy Young. Go to hell, Wade Miley. Well, hopefully I, Wade I, Miley is listening I, to the No, Wade up. Miley can listen, come on the show, and I'll, t- I'll say it to his face, that piece of garbage. Anyway. Wow. Um, the Diamondbacks Oof. scored three in the seventh and five in the ninth to turn a 1-1 time to a 9-1 drubbing of the Rockies. Cattell Marte homered, and Christian Walker doubled and drove in two in the victory. Spencer Steer went 0 for 6, and every other Reds player had at least two hits as Cincinnati outslugged Oakland 11-7. And finally, Freddie Freeman had three hits and Mookie Betts homered as the Dodgers topped the head-scratching cards 7-3. to three. Orioles, and Ti- Orioles, Tigers, and Nationals, Pirates were each rained out. Both games will be made up in double headers today. Zach, what's on tap? Yeah, I think uh, Willie Adamas and Wade Miley are living rent-free in your head, Paul. It's, it's, they're not <laughs> it's li- an unfortunate they're, they're, situation. Not, they're not living <laughs> rent-free. I don't think about them until I see them perform well. Willie Adamas, I don't even have anything against him. It's the Brewers franchise. Interesting. That, that, like, how are you so poverty-stricken, that you don't want to spend mo- any kind of money. Like, you underpaid Christian Yelich, and then he fell off a cliff, so you look like geniuses. But you mm. weren't geniuses. You underpaid him for some reason. He took the contract because he was getting older and didn't want to have to try and, like, argue his way into good money. But Willie Adamas is, to me, a media... He's he's freaking Renato Nunez, but a better defender, right? Offensively, he's Renato Nunez. And wow. somehow... Somehow, that's the guy that made the Brewers say, oh, we got something now. Let's play hard baseball. And then Wade Miley, you get traded to the Orioles. You suck. Then the next year, you suck again. And then you've been one of the best pitch, one of the top ten pitchers in all of baseball for seven years since you left here. F you, Wade Miley. Why couldn't you do that in Baltimore? 
I get it that, that maybe the Orioles pitching coaches weren't great, and maybe they didn't give you the best opportunity to put your best foot forward analytically, but there's something more to it that you can go out there and dominate for every well, team you've ever pitched for except for the Orioles. Same thing about Rich Hill. Same thing with Rich Hill. You know, I, I don't think it was Wade Miley's decision to be bad in Baltimore. I think he just was. I don't think he cared. That sloppy-looking piece of garbage. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, moving on. Uh, and the Orioles will start off today's games list uh, against the Tigers. Dean Kramer and Eduardo Rodriguez, who has been pretty good this year. 2.3 ERA for him, 12-10 in Detroit. Took a perfect That's game, game into the seventh inning against the Orioles. Yeah. Into the eighth inning, I think. Game one of a doubleheader. Uh, Rich Hill, who we just mentioned. Uh, we'll start for the Pirates at Nationals Park today against Patrick Corbin, two vet lefties, Pirates and Nats. Uh, Royals and Twins, Brad Keller against Bailey Ober, 210 at Target Field. Chris Flexen, 8-8-6 ERA, and he's going to get going against Kevin Gaussman today, 307 at the Rogers Center as the Mariners take on the Blue Jays. Spencer Strider, he's excellent against Tyler McGill, 405 at City Field, the Braves and the Mets. Cubs take on the Marlins, 405 in Miami. Caleb Killen against Edward Cabrera. Hunter Green takes on Kyle Muller, 407 at the O.co. That's the Reds against the A's. The Guardians take on the Red Sox, Zach Plesak and Brian Bello, 410 in Boston. Grayson Rodriguez starts game two of the Orioles doubleheader. It's slated for 510, but it probably will happen before that. Matthew Boyd will start for Detroit as the Orioles take them on in game two. Uh, Zach Wheeler and Christian Javier, Phillies and Astros, 510 at Minute Maid Park. And then game two of that Nationals doubleheader against the Pirates, Vince Velasquez and Chad Cool. Again, listed at 605, but probably will go off a little bit before that. Sean Manaya and Joe Musker of 605 at Estadio Alfredo Harpula uh, is what's listed on this uh, website, which I don't really know what that means, but it is in San Diego as the Giants take on the Padres. They're actually playing in Mexico City today, so I'm guessing that's the stadium, but they're playing in Mexico City. The Yankees and the Rangers, Yanni Burrito against Nathan Avaldi, 7-5 in Texas. Colin Foucher takes on Lance Lynn for the Rays and the White Sox, 7-10 at Guaranteed Rate Field. Angels and Brewers, Reed Detmers against Corbin Burns, 7-10 at in Milwaukee. Uh, and then the final two games tonight, 8-10 at Coors Field is Tommy Henry and Noah Davis as the D-backs take on the Rockies. And then finally, the Jordan Walker-less Cardinals uh, start Jordan Montgomery against Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers, 9-10 at Dodger Stadium. Rich Hill. Oh, boy. With the I'm, I'm going to mute my mic and let you go off. Rich Hill, in his one season in Baltimore, 14 games, 13 starts, 3-3, three and three, 780 ERA. Everywhere else, Boston for five years, 331. Dodgers for four years, 316. Cubs for four years, 437. Minnesota for one season, 303. New York Mets for one year, 384. Tampa Bay Rays for one year, 387. Pittsburgh for one year, 450. Oakland for one year, 225. Cleveland, one year, he was in the bullpen, um, and he had... He six twenty eight. Uh, L.A. Angels one year. His his ERA was infinity. He had two games. He had zero innings pitched. He had one hit, one run, three walks allowed. Uh, with the Yankees one year, uh, coming out of the bullpen, one sixty nine ERA. By far and away, his worst performance, the Baltimore Orioles. Wade Miley, two years in Baltimore, ten and twenty in forty three starts. 575 ERA. Arizona, four years, 379. Cincinnati, two years, 355. Milwaukee, two years, 238. Boston, one year, 446. Chicago Cubs, one year, 316. Seattle Mariners, one year, 498. Houston, one year, 398. By far and away, the worst seasons of these two guys' careers were in Baltimore. We're in Baltimore. 
Not even close anywhere else. Not even these guys are good pitchers everywhere but Baltimore. Why here? Why do you suck? Well, I'll keep in mind the dimensions of Camden Yards that used to be. Good point. That's a good point. But you would think that every now and again you'd have a game where you went like eight innings giving up two hits and no runs. They couldn't even do that. Not they, they didn't even have like Chris Tillman. You remember how bad Chris Tillman was very. in twenty what was it, twenty eighteen? He was very bad. He had one start against the Detroit Tigers where we went seven innings and allowed one hit. Mm-hmm. They couldn't even do that once or twice in their yeah. t- short time here. They were the worst pitchers in baseball when they pitched for the Orioles. Jeremy Hellickson, the same damn thing. Not Yeah, Jeremy Hellickson, same damn thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. You're not trying to be bad, but you were. You were. Sid Fernandez, same damn thing. It was awesome. Doug Drabeck, same damn thing. Awesome. They come to Baltimore. They suck. Now, the trend is is flipping. Because Jordan Lyles was pretty damn good for the Orioles last year, yep. and this year he's been freaking awful yeah. for the Royals. Um, and you saw with Alex Cobb even a little bit where he hasn't been very good for the Giants for the most part. Really not that no, much different. he's been really good for the Giants. I, I don't think he's been that much different than he was his final year in Baltimore. His, his first few years in Baltimore were not very kind to him. But the final year in Baltimore, I don't think he's been that much different than what he was uh, with, uh, with San Francisco. Well, yeah, his final year in Baltimore, he was their best starter, especially down the stretch. Yeah, I, I don't but necessarily think he's drastically improved on that with San Francisco. Well, no, he has. Has he? Okay. Last year in 28 starts, he went 7-8 and eight with a 373 RA, and this year in 5 starts, he's been really good. This he's 1-1 one yeah. one with a 191 ERA. The, in 2021 yeah. with the Angels, 18 starts, 376. His best year in Baltimore was 2020. He had yeah. 10 starts, and he had a 430 ERA. Yeah, his ERA plus was 109, and his ERA plus last year was 109. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think there's a drastic in, difference. In, in Baltimore, in three years of... Another one. Three years in Baltimore, 510 ERA. Six years in Tampa Bay, three and a half. Uh, two years in San Francisco, 344. One year in LA, 376. Now, he and I'll was, throw you another one just for fun. Uh, Andrew Kashner went from Baltimore to Boston in 2019, went from a 3.83 ERA to a 6.20 ERA. Yeah, but look at Andrew Kashner before he got to Baltimore. Uh, yeah, Texas year was really good in 17, 3.4 ERA. He was really good with the Brewers, too. Was it the Brewers? Or no, the he was with the Padres. Padres. Yeah. He, he, had, he had a couple of really good years he with, did. With, with the Padres. And look, he was really good with the Orioles in 2019. Um, I get that. He's not in the league anymore. Uh, the Orioles are really good. I'm not hating on what the Orioles are doing right now. It just blows my mind how many guys have been good before they got to the Orioles, were terrible with the Orioles, and then yeah. good again after they left the Orioles. Well, I think that's a big sign of how everything has just changed, how things have completely flipped around for the Orioles with player development and what they've done, especially with the coaching staffs, I think have gotten just drastically better. I, you know, Not to speak to Brandon Hyde specifically, but I think you look at Chris Holt uh, and the new hitting coaches they have there, the pair of them, the bullpen coaches they have – Everything has gotten better, and really the coaches across the board, too, at Aberdeen and at Bowie and at Norfolk and all these places have just gotten better, and the whole organization has been overhauled and gotten better at player development as a whole. So I think that's a product of what you're seeing right now, and not necessarily what Andrew Kashner did in 2019, but more of what you're seeing now uh, with guys like Jordan Lyles, as you mentioned. Yeah. You got that out of you? You good I, now? I, yeah, I had to, man. This stuff just irritates me to no end. Like, we should how- invite Willie Adamas on the show. I, I- I don't hate Willie Adamas. I really don't. Uh, he's a good defender. He's got yep. a power bat. He. I just don't think that he's the guy that is just so good that he completely turns a franchise I a season him up. around. 
Well, you didn't. I did. <laughs> I did because he homered and Wade Miley threw six innings of one run. I ball mean, right now in Willie, a Brewers victory, Willie Adams is a three sixty on base percentage and his OPS plus is one twenty four, so twenty four percent better. It is. It's April twenty ninth. It man. is, but we're, we're, when he's in two thirty four in August, uh, yeah. But it, it, we're we're commending uh, a lot of Orioles for doing the same thing. So no, you we're know. not. In fact, Orioles fans I mean, are about is not going to commend. We, we just talked about Cedric Mullins though, and he has very very similar numbers. Um, we talked about in the beginning of the show Cedric Mullins being. Uh, you know, so far off to a pretty good start. Uh, I sometimes I think you just say things because Cedric Mullins, we did. Cedric Mullins right now is uh, slashing two sixty seven, three three seventy seven, yeah, four fifty six, eight thirty three, and he has ten stolen bases. Yeah, Willie Adamas is not slash does not have an eight thirty three OPS. No, he doesn't. But he has an eight oh nine OPS, and he's a twenty four percent better hitter than major league average according to OPS plus. And Cedric Mullins is a thirty three percent better. That's not that dr- okay. All right. It's nine percent. I'm not sure better. I get your point here, but it's nine percent better. My, my, my point is that Willie Adams is better than you're giving him credit for. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not. I don't think he's a terrible player. I don't think he should ever be a guy who's the difference maker on your team. I mean, the Brewers when when they got him in 2021. They went from having one of the worst records in the National League to being mm-hmm. to having the best record in baseball the rest of the year. And they've been a playoff team each of the, each year that he's been there. How is he the difference maker? How are you getting away with this? <laughs> I don't know. I I, I don't have I feel like that Jesse question. Pinkman right now. How do they keep getting away with this? Yeah. I, I don't understand well, it. And and like I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's just what the Brewers are doing, and it's it's working for them. And the pitching has always been quite good uh, for Milwaukee. Yeah, that's that's true. That's really how they keep. But Wade Miley's part of that equation. He is, but so is Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. And, Corbin Burns hasn't and, been very good this year. So far, no, but he will get it going. Yeah, you, I I guarantee you by the end of the year, yeah. Corbin Br- Burns. Brendan Woodruff. Um, uh, they yeah, their their pitching is really good, but somehow, some way, man, they're they're yeah. like. They're just always there, but, and I think that uh, and the, their ownership is like the the National League Central outside of the Cardinals and the Cubs. Like, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Like, I feel so bad for. And this is coming from an Orioles fan who's watched his team be terrible more often than not in his lifetime. Uh, like, the, the and it, maybe that's why it like hurts my heart so much, and I get so angry about this stuff because like you're this close to being a phenomenal team, and your your ownership just won't spend the money. Mm-hmm. They just won't spend the money. Now Pittsburgh, they're off to an eighteen and eight start this year. The Brewers are have the Brewers are something. They're right there, aren't they? Uh, the Brewers so far are seventeen and nine. Yeah, so they're a game back, despite how good Pittsburgh's been mm-hmm. doing. And yet, uh, and the Cincinnati, they're what two games below five hundred. Something like that, probably. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not that. They, far they've been off. better than I've expected them to be. Well, they, they got off to like a one and twenty two start last year. Yeah, they did. Yeah, a- yeah. and it, they couldn't. It, Joey Votto couldn't like buy a hit, and nobody on that team could buy a hit at that. Yeah, point. Joey Votto's in the same category. I mean, he's two years removed from a forty homer season. Yes. Um, but Joey Votto, I put in the same category now as Miguel Cabrera, and Votto's hurt right now, isn't he? He hasn't played yet. So, so yeah, he hasn't played yet. Uh, last year only hit two hundred five, so yeah, a massive uh, drop off from the two sixty six the year before. And he hit forty home runs, right? Thirty six, thirty six, close enough. Um, and a nine thirty eight OPS. He was really good. Yeah, he was really good. But I think that that was like his his last hurrah. I, it, yeah. I, he's going to retire at the end of the year. So, so is Miguel Cabrera. I put them in the same. Uh, I'll still take Votto over Cabrera, honestly. Cabrera is just dead weight in that lineup. Yeah, he Votto is... can at least still play de- good def- defense at first base. Right. And he's not far removed from a really, really good season, whereas Cabrera's last good season was, what, 2016? I mean, t- to give Cabrera a little bit of credit, he did hit 254 last year, which is better than I would have thought, but his on-base percentage was only 305, and he struck out a lot. This is a guy who's, who, despite how bad he's been the last three or four years, his career batting average is 308. 
Yeah, it's an on base percentage three eighty three career yeah. is really yeah. good. Imagine really how good. good it was before the last twenty seventeen. What what was his batting average in twenty seventeen? Seventeen, he was two forty nine. Eighteen. Eighteen was two ninety nine. Uh, twenty. Twenty. I mean, not, I mean nineteen. Nineteen was two eighty two. Okay, so seventeen he kind of fell off. Yeah, but then bit. but then. 2018, 2019, he was good. But since 2020, he hasn't been very good, right? Uh, really, since 16, he hasn't had the power numbers either. In 16, yeah. he hit 38 home runs with a two, uh, two nine, oh, no, excuse me, a, a 316 uh, batting, batting average, average and a 393 OBP. So he was really good. Yeah. And by the way, I just learned, if we're talking about statistics at the moment, I just learned apparently a few days ago that Chris Sale is the all-time strikeouts per nine leader. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. That's I, pretty I wild. That, I heard that the other day, too. Yeah, someone said, I think... Uh, I guess it was Ben McDonald might have said that, or s- someone along the lines of Orioles. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it may have been Kevin Brown. It was it Kevin was, Brown. Sure, I, I, I do think I remember it being Ben McDonald. It was he. Um, it was he. Um, I can't uh, speak today. Um, <laughs> he was. It was in the process of him not striking out anybody in a healthy start for the first time in his career. The only other start where he didn't strike out a batter, he went an inning in the third and left with an injury. Yeah. Um, at, to the point where Alex Cora was, thought he was either tipping pitches or the Orioles knew what he was going to throw. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- that's when I heard it too that he was the yeah. all-time strikeout leader per nine. That's crazy. I, yeah. I looked up Nolan Ryan. He was a whole, I think, like two strikeouts behind per nine. Uh, mm-hmm. And other guys like Pedro Martinez and some of the other great all-time pitchers. And Chris Sale is really, really good in that category. I'd like to see where Nolan Ryan's strikeouts per nine numbers were before he was pitching in his forties. Okay. You know, that, uh, he was he was good. still that's a big point. time strikeout pitcher, but the guy pitched till he was all time strikeout leader is yeah. Nolan Ryan. Yeah, and he pitched till he was forty six years old. In fact, we can go back in and we can look at it while we're talking about. By it. By the because, way, I, I just received a text from Stan. He said that uh, just noted that Deal Hall is added obviously today as the twenty seventh player uh, for the doubleheader. So I guess he wanted to talk about that, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it. So yeah. oh well, I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, he so he was slated to start last night and then didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And now today probably will be used in relief, I'm guessing. And maybe they piggyback him with Grayson Rodriguez and yeah. those two guys just go. And that would be probably a pretty – or if Dean Kramer blows up and he doesn't get yeah, much the, 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 the two guys that, that they have going today want to keep that bullpen rested. Yep. You can see D.L. Hall getting the piggyback. And, man, I hope he goes out there and shows something. Mm-hmm. He's been up and down at AAA. Um, he's had two good starts, two bad starts down there. Um I was wondering why he didn't start. Like he was supposed to start on Thursday, and they got wa- washed out. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't start yesterday, and he's not slated to start today. So I was a little confused as to why. And that makes sense. He, I was yeah. like, he's either hurt, or maybe the Orioles brought him up. Why would they bring him up? And it makes sense. So they they get the twenty seventh man, and he um man, Nolan Ryan pitched in six, seven, eight, nine. He pitched in four different decades. It's unreal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another guy who big time arm. Walked a ton of batters early in his career, but they didn't give up on him, and he became the all-time strikeout leader yep. and the Hall of Famer, uh, who holds like 56 major league records. A lot really good, a lot of really good records, and some really bad records. But yeah, uh, well, Nolan Ryan led the majors in strikeouts at age 40, 41, 42, and 43, and then at age 44, he still th- struck out 203. Man, he was good. Yeah, man, he was good. His worst season. Was his last season when he went 488 in 13 starts? Man, he was yeah. good. He also led the. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Look, listen to this. He also led the league in walks one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Yeah, yeah. Listen to these. But, but li- to li- me, listen to these walk numbers real quick. 
1972, 157 walks. 73, 162. 74, 202. 76, 183. 77, 204. 78, 148. That is a lot of walks. And they didn't give a damn. You know he never won a Cy Young? Yeah, I did know that. And that's unbelievable. But, again, he walked a lot of guys, so I guess it was kind of hard. But his numbers are incredible. Uh, to me, it's, it's Pedro Martinez at one and Nolan Ryan at two. And then yeah. everyone else behind them. Um... I don't know, man. You're leaving out some guys from before. I mean, Randy Johnson, I guess. Uh, Cy Young, I guess, has got to be in that conversation. Walter and Johnson. Walter Johnson, sure. Uh, Bob, F- not maybe not Bob Feller, but there's a lot but of guys look, you could talk about in that conversation. Nolan Ryan, in his career, he allowed he, he, 324 and 292, 319 ERA, an all-time major league record, 2,795 walks. All-time major league record, 5,714 strikeouts. Yeah. And a major league low for a career, 6.6 hits per nine. Mm-hmm. He led the majors in hits per nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve times, including his age, 42 through 44 seasons. Mm-hmm. Five point, at the age of 44, he allowed five Point three hits per nine and had a whip of one point zero zero six. At forty four years old with a two ninety one ERA. I want to find something out for my final thought today. I'm going to give you a quick trivia question of all guys to play in four decades because I was just thinking about that and looking up some no guys. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that. Oh, I think you can get some. I mean, there's there's one really obvious one outside of Nolan Ryan. Yeah, but I'll I'll see how many you can get. I, I'm just going to be interested to look this up and and find out. Huh. But there's, there's a few, I mean, a lot of Hall of Famers. I, it's got to be, you know, some of the greats of all time. I think you should be able to get some of them. But I'm, I'm going to try to figure that out and see where we're at. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, we'll do that. Um, let's talk a little bit of, of Orioles banter here because we only have a few minutes. And that's good because this isn't going to take a lot of time. Um, so our Orioles banter today, we're looking back at the offseason. And what did we think the Orioles should have done in the offseason, what they did do, and how it's turned out so far? So you and I, I think we were – what was your big – I'll tell you, my big offensive want, my big offseason want was a, a bat for the middle of the order. Yeah, same. And that and that was yours. Yeah. They didn't do that. Right. Right. Um, and then we thought pitching should be number two. Kyle Gibson was their lone. Um, and, and they traded for Cole Irvin, who after four starts <sighs> yeah. got option to AAA. He's going to not, today for, for Norfolk, by the way. Um, but so let's look at what the Orioles did. What they didn't, what they didn't do, and how it's turned out so far. <sighs> Offensively, I'll tell you right now, I wanted the bat for the middle of the order because I think you're doing your team a disservice to bat Mountcastle, to bat Santander three and Mountcastle four. Mm-hmm. I really think you're doing your team a disservice. Ma- Mountcastle right now is just not a middle of the order hitter. He's not. N- neither is Santander. Two fifty OBP. I-, I don't know what Santander's is, but well, I'm guessing so, two eighty, two ninety, something along those lines. No, it's not. It's not even close. Wow. Um, Lower. I-, I believe that it is. Let me uh, actually. Okay. I just pulled up the team stats. Anthony Santander, 207, 273, 356, yeah. 629, and he hits third or fourth every single yeah. day. He's batting fourth today because he homered right. last night, so of course he's going to bat fourth. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, I remember Arias and McCann doubled and homered in a game, and the next day they were batting 4-5 mm-hmm. in the Orioles lineup. Um, but again, I don't have an issue with Brandon High going with a hot hand in the middle of the order. I like that Arias is hitting third today and then Mateo is hitting, hitting um, fourth. I mean fifth. you got to have somebody bat fourth. 
And I have in my notes because we have Bob Phelan from the On the Verge podcast coming up here in just a second. Um, where did I put this? I had the I had the stats. Did I put them in stands and I just didn't talk about it? Oh, the O's. Did they miss the 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 boat? Not adding a middle of the order bat. Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle again. They're routinely batting three four in the order. They are a combined forty two for one hundred ninety three, eight home runs. 31 RBIs, 13 walks to 52 strikeouts. That's a one walk for every four strikeouts mm-hmm. ratio. Th- combined, in the 3-4 hole, they're slashing, not, I mean, on the season, but that's where they routinely bet. They're slashing 218-262 combined. Ryan Mountcastle has four walks on the season. Santander has nine. And they both have played just about every day. Yeah, We wanted a middle-of-the-order bat, an impact bat. Now, look, Jose Abreu isn't having a great year. April. Yeah, but it's it's April. He's having a better year than both of them as far as getting on base and and hitting. Um, JD Martinez, I think, could have been. A, I mean, let's let's look at. Oh, okay. Jose Abreu doesn't have any home runs, and he has eleven RBIs. He's and he's got a two seventy seven on base percentage. So maybe the Orioles knew something that we didn't. Uh, I I wouldn't have minded JD Martinez. There weren't really many bats out there. It was like Justin Turner has been. He was another one Stan really liked and, and kept mentioning. I don't know where he's at, but I know back when the Orioles were playing the Red Sox a few series ago, he was having some success to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's another one. But yeah, there wasn't really many options out there unless yeah, you J- looked at Aaron Judge. J.D. Martinez has nine doubles, mm-hmm. four home runs, 15 RBIs. He's slashing 250, 306, 534. So he's got an 840 OP, uh, That's still pretty good. OPS and a 123 OPS plus. He's having a decent year. And again, it's still April. And he's been a productive yeah. hitter. I get it. The Dodgers gave him, what, $11 million? I don't think the Orioles were willing to give him $11 million. Yeah. But you have to have somebody that it, that strikes fear in the opposition. And Ryan Mountcastle, I still believe, can be that guy. And to his credit, he's on a six-game hitting streak right now, though he's his three thirty three batting average um, and his, what is it, like a three forty three on base yeah. position because he had the one walk the other day. He um I, I like this is the best first month of his career, if you exclude 2020, and yeah. I think we should exclude that yeah, because we should. This is the best first season of a full 162 day game schedule of his career, the best first month. So he he's probably going to get better, and as the weather warms up fully and stays warm, I think he's going to put up some better numbers. But he's just so aggressive in that. In the middle of the order, he's swinging at the first pitch a lot. He's not four walks on the year, and his one on Thursday was his first in three weeks, and only his second since opening. He walked twice on opening day, and he's walked twice since. Mm-hmm. They're 25 games in. In 24 games, he's walked twice. They missed the boat on adding an impact bat, and now you look at, could they trade for one? Well, realistically, there's going to be 20 teams plus in play for, who, who think that they can realistically make the postseason at the deadline, right? When you consider the fact that you have, what is it, six teams from each division, I mean from each um, each league, the, from the American League and from the National League, so you got to have 12 teams that are going to make the playoffs, and you have probably another, at least another eight teams who are going to be right around the 500 mark who are going to think, hey, we can make the playoffs if we add. So you're going to have to fight with 19, 20 other teams to get a middle-of-the-order bat. And to get yeah. a front-line starting pitcher if that's the route you think you need to go to, and maybe they will. 
who were they? Who could they possibly add at this point? Yeah, I don't know. That, that's a great question. I mean, you look at again the free agent class of hitters this year was just not that good. And Abreu was a guy. Jack Peterson was a lot of someone a lot of people wanted. He's off to a pretty good start so far. I don't really see that lasting. He's never really hit for average or gotten on base at a level that would have been worth the money that I think he got. So. I don't know. You look at trade options. I'm not sure who would be out there. It'd have to be a vet. You would think it would be probably one of the more unathletic guys who probably is a first baseman corner outfield type. That's the kind of guy you're going to get at the trade deadline. That's the guys that are usually traded because premium players don't really go up in the trade block that much. Um, so it's going to be a, a guy who really solely hits and not isn't really much of a defender uh, value-wise. So I, I don't know. It's a good question, but I'm not sure who the op- realistic options would be. Yeah, and, It'd have and, to be a trade with a bad team. And maybe the Giants are a team. Maybe Jock Peterson is that guy. Jock Peterson has a lot of postseason experience. Yeah. Um, he's played in... They're not one, taking on that contract. Two, I don't think, three, four. He only signed for a year. Yeah, but it's $20 million. I don't know if I yeah, see... Yeah, but the by, by the time they trade uh, for okay, him, they only got to pay in the last two months of the year. That's true. Right? I, I, I didn't want Jock Peterson. I didn't want him. But he's played in four World Series. He's got 79 postseason games under his belt and 12 postseason home runs in those 79 games. If he's having a good year, the Giants are out of it, and you can trade them a, a, a mid-level prospect to get Jock Peterson for the for the the stretch run. I wouldn't hate it. He's a left-handed bat that you can put in Camden Yards, and like you said, he's off to a solid start this year. I mean, he's not a world beater, but he's what he's doing this year. He's two fifty-six, three sixty-five, forty-eight with a with an eight fifty-four OPS and a one thirty-two OPS plus. After being an 874 OPS and 141 OPS plus guy last year, he's going to get on base and he can hit for power. Uh, that might be the most likely guy that the Orioles could, could trade be. for to help the be. middle the middle of their order. Um, look, the Orioles are 17 and eight. They have a like a, a legitimate opportunity to be 20 and eight at the end of this month. Yes. At the end of this weekend, yes. 20 and eight at the end of April, 19 and nine. I think it could be 19 and eight by the end of today. I yeah, mean, that that would be really see. And that's one thing that I hate about doubleheaders is if they weren't playing a doubleheader, I'd have a lot more faith that they could sweep this series. Yeah, I agree with that. You generally split doubleheaders. I, I think they'll probably split today, but you know, uh, then again, it is Detroit. It's Detroit. <laughs> Dean Kramer so, had a really great start against the Nationals and yeah. a mediocre start where he started strong and finished really strong. Yeah. Um, against against uh, Boston. Pretty weak lineup in Game One too. I yeah. could see them winning with Grayson Rodriguez in Game Two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the Orioles lineup in Game One's weak. I, 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 Ryan it, McKenna's hitting. Yeah, but Ryan. <sighs> no this, Rutschman. This, this right, but this might be the nicest thing you'll ever hear me say about Ryan Uh-oh. McKenna. He's actually been hitting pretty well recently. He's actually been hitting pretty well recently. He um he's he, hitting 261 with a 69 OPS this year. And if you look at his last few games, yeah, he struck out in a big with a big opportunity and a big opportunity in the 5th inning of the other game. Um but he did double to get that rally kind of going in the 7th inning. And he's put some good it looked to me like he maybe changed up his stance a little bit. It looks like he's standing taller in the box a little bit to me. But if you look at his game log, okay, he had his first his first hit on against Boston on the twenty sixth. 
was his first hit since April 12th. It was his first hit in two weeks. But his last two games, he's three for six with two doubles and an RBI. Mm-hmm. You know, and only the only the one strikeout. He's not walking a lot. I don't know. I, I, he's been hitting a lot better yeah. the last two games, he, he but it's has. two games. It's two games. I, I, I still do not think Ryan McKenna is a big league hitter. I don't think he is either. I, I don't think I, I, don't I, think he I actually either. don't think he's anything close. Yeah, I, well, no. I mean, his, his career... Um, let's go back. His career OPS plus. His career OPS plus is sixty nine. Yeah, that's yeah, he's he's not he's not a good base. Thirty one percent better or worse than than average. When man, we we are really behind with Bob Phelan. Uh, um, a couple more points and then I'll text him and we'll get a break. Um, okay. But with where the Orioles are now with their outfield, Austin Hayes is banged up. He's playing today. Mm-hmm. He's actually leading off today. Um, Santander is not producing. Ryan McKenna is Ryan McKenna. And Colton Kalser's tearing the cover off. That's the ball. what I was about to say. He's it, he's he was the Triple A player of the week, uh, not last week, but but the week before. He's in two ninety one. Yep. He's he started really poorly, and he's just crushing it right now down at Norfolk. Is that a guy who's going to be called up sooner rather than later? And maybe you move Santander to a full time DH spot. Yeah, I mean he's getting on base four thirty five right now. Four thirty five for yeah. Colton Kalser. He's already hit four home runs. He's stolen four bases. The guy's been really good. He's walked twenty times. He struck out twenty four. He's been excellent. Yeah. Colton Kowser has done everything you would hope Colton Kowser would do and at Triple A, and this is after. Um, I I think there's almost no way you can not call him up at this point. I I think with the with the outfield production they've had, if this was if this was a situation where Anthony Santander, um, Austin, Anthony, uh, Anthony, I, Anthony, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mall, everyone was hitting well, right? If all three guys in your starting outfield were were tearing the cover off the ball, then you could say, okay, let Colton Kowser stay down there a little bit. He's 23 years old, whatever. This guy is hitting 435 in the minors, uh, or getting on base 435 in the minors, compared to what they're doing at the major league level, which is probably a combined on base percentage between the three of them, probably around 310, given that Cedric is so high up in the 370s. So, but Austin Hayes, where is he at? Like 330 something right now? And then Santander down. He's 277. Okay, so you're probably looking at an average about 330. Something. Um, so I look at Colton Kowser, and in his first six games, he was two for twenty-four. Mm-hmm. He slashed 083, 241, 083 with a three twenty-five OPS. In the um, since April eighth through now, he's three seventy-one, five hundred six, six forty-five, eleven fifty-two, eleven fifty-two OPS. Yeah. In his last seventeen games, it's a small sample size, but look, um. Um, what the hell is his name? Jack, I know Jackson Holiday's name. I just couldn't get it into my brain. Okay. Jackson Holiday wasn't even doing that. No. Um, he he was hitting. I mean, he was close to that. Yeah. In thirteen games at Delmarva, and they moved him up to High A. Colton Kowser, with what you're getting from your outfield, it's not going to hurt you to have another left-handed bat that plays good outfield defense, who takes professional bats and gets on base. Yeah. I think that that he might be ready, just about ready to get up here. Uh, I don't know that they're going to do it anytime soon, but I think Colton Kalser's days at the minor league level are numbered. I think he's I, on his I, way. I agree with that. I don't think Heston Kerstad is too far behind him, given well, that he's well, done it. Heston Kerstad, the second that Colton Kalser gets called up to, to Baltimore, Heston Kerstad's going to AAA. So I, by the way, I don't know if they're brothers or if they're cousins or something along these lines. We're brothers. I didn't know that Colton Kalser had a, or not Colton Kalser, excuse me, Heston Kerstad had a relative who played in the minor leagues for about seven years, from 2011 to 2018, Dexter Kerstad. That went to the same high school as Colt. Uh, I keep calling him 
Colton. Heston went to the same high school as him, uh, was drafted in the 50th round uh, in 2010 and played for seven minor league seasons. I didn't know that. So oh, they look identical. They're definitely brothers. They have to be. They're definitely brothers. I didn't know that. I no one's ever talked about that. You've heard so much about Kerstad and so much as him, you know, as, as the second overall pick and all that. But I've never heard that he had a, a close relative or even brother who played in the minor leagues for seven years. Um, let me see. Yeah, it, brother of De- of Dexter okay. Kerstad. Okay, they, yeah. they are brothers. We are running super, super behind. Want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose a perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, today's show brought to you by also pressboxonline.com slash offers baseball season is here and for the first time in history you can bet from your phone in maryland go to pressboxonline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today get five second chance bets on at points bet when you deposit and bet your first fifty dollars just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers to claim your incentive when we come back uh from the On The Verge podcast, Bob Phelan joins the show, followed by Orioles Banter. That's next on The Bataround. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great. Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts.
apologies to my mother, my aunt, and both of my uncles on my mom's side. They all also went to Delaney Valley High School. How dare you? The same high school as All Time Low. So even more of a connection. My own mother. Maybe your went mom to, was went, in All Time Low. Went to <laughs> my mom's All Time Low. Her All Time Low was the day I was born. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> I'm just. Kidding. She might agree. I don't know. I, she I, probably I, does. I do not know. Huge disappointment. Paul Valley III. Uh, it's, you know what's not a disappointment? <laughs> Press box is Glenn Clark Radio, which is a definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch a show every weekday from ten to noon. Guys, if you aren't watching or listening to Glenn Clark Radio, you have no excuse. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it because you can watch them at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. If you're not listening, you don't want to and you should want to. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Governor Wes Moore and Mayor Brandon Scott, Ravens, Ravens legend Derek Mason, and Orioles prospects Creed Willems and Chase McDermott. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Joining us now from the On The Verge podcast, he has all the intel on minor leagues, uh, on the Orioles minor leagues, and also um, had a great interview with a, with Eve Rosebaum the other day on the On The Verge podcast. He is Bob Phelan. Bob, it's Paul, it's Zach. Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, we are absolutely thrilled to always, when we and any time that we get a chance to talk to you. And Bob, my my apologies right now. I never seem to be able to talk on this show. I'm constantly tripping over my own tongue for some reason or another. So apologies in advance for when I do do that. Um, we got yeah. we started talking a little bit about it on Twitter the other day. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle's defensive shortcomings this year. Last year, he's one of the better defensive first basemen in baseball, um, and this year. That is not the case. What have you seen from Ryan Mountcastle? Is this something that you think is just a short-lived thing, or do you think this is kind of who he always was? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure because it is a little strange. I'm, you know, the finer points of first base defense. I don't know exactly what goes into it. I know even like the best fielding first baseman, you know, isn't as valuable as a maybe even below average shortstop. So I don't know exactly all that goes into that. But it seems like last year he was making all his scoops. And, you know, he was pretty athletic over there. He, he doesn't have the arm, of course. That's why he's not at third base, shortstop, or left field anymore. But uh, this year, I, maybe, you know, defense slumps too. Maybe, you know, he's missed some scoops. He's missed some balls. Maybe it's just a, a thing where it's early season, early sa- uh, short sample size, and it'll all even out in the end. But it hasn't been great so far. Uh, something else that hasn't been great with Ryan Mountcastle is his approach at the plate. And he seems to be hitting the ball as hard as ever, just like he was last year, and hitting into a lot of loud outs. But he's just not walking, Bob. He has one walk in the last three weeks. He has just two walks since opening day and four walks on the season. What have you seen from his approach? It, to me, it seems like he's just way too aggressive too early, and he's not let, he's not waiting for his pitch. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's tough to say. That's kind of his game. I'm not exact. When we had Matt Borchalti on sometime in the summer of last season, we talked about this with him. It's like, you know, some guys you try to get that plate discipline up with Ryan. They're not exactly worried about doing that because his game is hitting the ball hard no matter where it's pitched, and he's continued to do that, and he's continued to have really bad luck. Um, eventually, I would think that starts to even out, but maybe he could pull the ball more. But when it comes to the walks, I just don't think that's ever going to be his game. It seems like every year he starts off 
especially bad in that department. And then he'll have a month or two where his walk rate is looking a little bit better. And then he'll usually end around what, 5% at the end of the year. So yeah, he's a free swinging guy. He's hitting the ball hard. They got to start falling in or else it's not as uh, valuable as he could be. Um, Grayson Rodriguez, four starts at the big league level. He's allowed the leadoff runner to reach in each of the first four starts of his big league career with three walks and a base hit. Uh, he's given up runs in the first inning, I believe, in three of his four outings, and then seems for some reason or another to put, to put it together. He's had three pretty good starts uh, and one pretty bad one in his big league career to start. Uh, what have you seen from Grayson Rodriguez in the minors as opposed to the majors, and what do you think we can expect from him the rest of the way? I actually think he started off kind of similar last year in the minor leagues at AAA, where, you know, the results were still good, but that's the difference between major leagues and AAA is uh, you can get away with just having that good stuff and put batters away. I feel like he, he takes some time to get his command under him, or at least the last couple of years where he's kind of get a feel for it as the season goes on. Stuff is clearly good, but as we saw, in, especially that A's game, he was getting a lot of 0-2 counts, 1-2 counts, couldn't put guys away. Stuff looks great. He's kind of found the change-up. The slider's been hit or miss with the fastball command and uh, velocity's been there. I think it's just a matter of getting his nerves out, getting comfortable at the major league level and learning how to uh, finish the job when the major league hitters. Now, Joey Ortiz, he gets promoted up to the big league level, um, gets a start in his first major league game, and it was a big role player in that game. One for three. He drove in three runs, had a sacrifice fly and a two-run single. He's an elite defender, at least from what we've heard and what we've seen. The glove has been major league ready for a couple of years now. Were you surprised that he was the first infield prospect uh, promoted to the big leagues, and how much run do you expect him to get? Uh, not surprised at all. We are updating our, for our patrons, we update our top 30 prospect, well, top 50 prospect list uh, once a month. So this Monday we'll have our first update of the season, and he's going to be a top five prospect for us at this point. He's, he has just completely passed Jordan Westberg when it comes to who's the better prospect. Uh, obviously, he's got the great glove. His exit velocities have been insane this season. His 90th percentile exit below last year was 103, which is still pretty good, but this year it's 109, which is borderline elite. So there's power there, even though he hasn't hit a home run yet this year. He has a lot of opposite field power. He kind of lets the ball travel. That's why he doesn't strike out very much. He has elite in the zone contact rate. So I think the bat is really coming along, and obviously he plays great defense up the middle. I'm not exactly sure, you know, how long he's going to be up right now, but I think long term at this point he's like a, a dude now. He's a keeper. Uh, I, I love that. He's a dude. Uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Blake, I host a show with him, and I one time said to him, that dude's a dude, referring to Austin Hayes. Now we call guys dudes all the time. I love that you just said that. Um, Jordan Westberg, you mentioned him. You said that, that Ortiz has surpassed him as a prospect for the Orioles. Now, Jordan Westberg, he's no slouch. He was the Orioles minor league player of the year last year, hit 27 home runs, drove in 106, which you don't see that too often in the minor leagues, a guy with over 100 uh, runs batted in. This year, 315, 383, 48 with a 931 OPS, five home runs, and 20 RBIs. Uh, Westberg can play all three infield positions. He can play corner outfield for you in a pinch. Uh, how far away do you think he is? I was surprised that if anybody got called up it, that it wasn't him, simply because the guy that he's replacing in Taron Bavar kind of filled that role too where he could play the infield and the outfield. How far do you think Jordan Westberg is, and where do you value him as a prospect? 
He's not far at all. And when I say that Ortiz has surpassed him, it's not a shot at Westbrook at all. He's doing everything he needs to do. He's still a great prospect, still a top 100 prospect in baseball, and still like a top five or six prospect for the Orioles. It's just, I think Ortiz has come that far along. But Westbrook, he's, he's, he's just an injury away, I think, at this point. I think we're trade if Ramon Urias gets hurt or gets traded. I think he's up. Uh, he's a pretty similar player to, player to Urias with maybe even more upside. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's a gluttony of of prospects that should be ready to play in the major league like as soon as tomorrow. Pretty good problem to have, I think, unfortunately for him. That's, that crowded situation is going to leave him in AAA longer than he probably should be, but it's a good situation for the Orioles and uh, the fans. And what about Colton Kowser? Colton Kowser, he got off to a dreadful start his first six games, but in his last 17 games, he's hitting over 340. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, he's hitting over 370. He's got an on-base percentage over 500, uh, an OPS of over 1,200. Uh, this is the guy that we knew was on the cusp of his big league debut. Anthony Santander has left a lot to be desired at the plate this year. Not that we're expecting him to replace him, but Austin Hayes has been banged up. He is leading off for the Orioles today and playing left field. But do you expect Colton Kowser is going to be here sooner rather than later? The guy, all he does is take professional at-bats. Yeah, I do. I think, you know, he got off to that slow start, like you mentioned. He was just still hitting the ball the same exit velocity. He was just pounding it into the ground. And then since that, that first six-game stretch, he's kind of been able to elevate it a little bit more. And we've seen some incredibly impressive power. Pulling a ball over the party deck at, at Norfolk is an impressive feat. Uh, clearly, he's going to walk. <laughs> That's basically what he does. And he's really underrated on defense. He's made some dive and catches. He's really good at reading the ball off the bat. He's got a good arm. He gunned someone down yesterday in a double after a doubleheader. And yeah, I think maybe by June, end of June, I would think he's up. If he, as long as he continues to perform, I mean, he's going to be like the Adley or the Gunner. Right? When you bring him up, you're bringing him up to play every day because mm-hmm. that's the kind of prospect he is. So, but you think it's going to still be at least another month before he's up here? Barring an injury, and hey, Hayes is already banged up. He might. He might re-aggravate that, um, and he could be up sooner than even we expect. But, yeah, I think he's incredibly close. But just because I know the Orioles love to squeeze every ounce of value out of every player that they can right now, I think they're going to give Santander a run to try to have a hot streak, and maybe at that point they try to trade him. But, yeah, I think maybe another month or so. Yeah, and that would that would make sense. I I don't think they're going to be moving Santander anytime soon. You don't want anybody to get hurt to get Kowser up here. And Hayes is off to a really good start this year. As is Cedric Mullins. They're both getting on base over a three forty clip, and in Ced's case, over a three seventy five clip. So you're you're still getting production out of your outfield for sure. Uh, Jackson Holiday he gets a promotion from Delmarva to High A Aberdeen after just 13 games at Delmarva this season. Slash 392, 523, 667 with an 1190 OPS and 51 plate appearances. Had a 14 to 12 walk to strikeout ratio. First two hits at Aberdeen the other day were a triple and a home run. Jim Callis told us on the show during the offseason he expects Holiday to be in the majors by the second half of 2024. Is Holiday the real deal in your eyes, and do you think that that's a pretty realistic expectation for his Major League debut? At this point, it might be underselling him. I think he is beyond the real deal. I think he's the best prospect in baseball, um, at least top three bar, bar minimum. Uh, I think I would not shock me. I'm not predicting this, but if things continue to go, I would not shock me if he's 
break the break camp with the team next year in 2024 to try to get that that extra draft pick for a rookie of the year. He's just mature beyond his years. His timing on defense is impeccable. He's got a great arm, defense up the middle. His patience is like Colton Kowser levels, but he's going to continue to have power. We've seen that now. He's tapping into it a little bit more. Three home runs in the past, what, five games that he's played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. Uh, if we were excited about Gunnar Henderson, then we're going to be really excited about Jackson Holiday. Does his game have a weakness? <sighs> I don't think so. He doesn't strike out. He walks a ton. He does hit, just like Kowser, actually. He, he does have a tendency to hit the ball on the ground a little too much. But, again, recently he's started to correct that a bit. Um, I think it's just, if you want to call it a weakness, it's just that he's 19 and he's still got a couple of years to add some muscle to his frame and some natural power, which is only going to help you know, his potential extra base output. But, um, no, no weaknesses that I can see right now. Have you had an opportunity to to see anything from his brother Ethan? He we Gunner was on the, not Gunner Jackson Holiday was on the show was on MLB Central yesterday morning. He was talking about how Ethan's probably the best baseball player in the entire family. How as a sophomore he already has like ten home runs this year. Have you had a, any opportunity to know anything about Ethan Holiday? I have heard rumblings that he's actually the better of the two, and I've seen a, a little bit of video here and there, but not a whole lot. But um. Should we start tanking for him uh, next season? We'll win the World Series this year, tank next year, and then, and then take him. <laughs> yeah, right. Get both holidays uh, on, the, on the same field at the same time for the Orioles. That would be absolutely incredible. Uh, I just thought it was cool that Jackson Holiday is so ridiculously good, and he says he's not even the best player in his family. I just think that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, before we let you go, Bob, and always a pleasure when we get to talk to you. Uh, you've played this with us before. We play a game on the bat around called Take to Rake. Um, so you know the rules. The only rule here is that you cannot take Cedric Mullins because Dan Connolly uh, took him last week. Now, here the, th- the thing here is we don't know if you get to pick first or not because you have played this game with us before, so you don't get the, the newcomer um, guarantee of picking first. And we had a really close race. I, th- I picked Adley. Adley went 6 for 22, 273, 333, 273, 606, slash line. I did not win. Despite not bad numbers from Adley, I did not win. Dan Connolly took Cedric Mullins. He went 6-for-21, a double, a triple, a home run, 6 RBIs, 2 walks, 3 Ks, a stolen base. That's 286, 348, 571, 919. Now, Zach took Jorge Mateo, who went 5-for-14 with a double, a home run, 2 RBIs, 2 stolen bases, 2 strikeouts, 357, 357, 643, and a 1,000 OPS. Mullins played in two more games than Jorge did this past week. Only got one more hit in seven more bats. So, Bob, who won between Cedric Mullins and Jorge Lopez for take the rake from this past week? Well, definitely not Jorge Lopez. I thought I know you meant Jorge Mateo. Um, I think oh, um, Cedric Mullins. I'll, I'll give the edge to just because, you know, the playing time factor. Bob just wants that guest win. Maybe he would have got in. Yeah, what's that? He, he said that you just love that <laughs> you just love that guest win, so you can pick first. Oh yes, absolutely. We we <laughs> no. we have uh, just yeah. Sorry, Bob. Go ahead. I don't want, I don't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, just you know, if Mateo could have got in an extra game or two, he probably would have come away with the win there. But you know, sample size. What was it? A grand slam for Mullins too. So I'll give it to Mullins. Yeah, and you know, I just think that Bob hates Zach. 
Because mm. last year when Bob was on the show and we played Take the Rake with him, we get, we let him pick um, who the winner was because our two players had, an, you know what? had a similar week, and he picked me over Zach. It's funny. Every every time we've let a guest pick, I always lose. I've yeah. never won yet, and that's like five times, so I'm 0 for 5 in that, so in that category. So our standings now are... I you, know, you know how much I love Dan Connolly, so... That's a, I can't blame you. <laughs> um, our, our standings as a currently as we currently speak are: I have two wins, Zach has one, and Bob, you are um, Dan Conley was our second straight guest winner as Steve Molesky won the previous week, uh, taking Austin Hayes. So, Bob, you get to pick first. Who are you taking for Take Drake? And remember that Cedric Mullins is off the table. Um. I don't think it even mattered. No, no, no one was going to take him. To pick with, uh, with my pick. I'm going Ryan Mountcastle. I think he's going to the, the luck's going to break through this coming week. You got games against the Tigers this weekend, the Royals early in the week. Uh, give me Ryan Mountcastle to come through with some some big hits and a couple home runs. All right, Zach. Ah, uh, that's tough. I'm gonna. I can't pick Mateo again, which is rough. Um. I'm going to go with – he picked Gunnar Henderson, correct? No, he picked Ryan Malcastle. Oh, Ryan Malcastle. Okay. I, uh, I'm going to take Adley Rushman. Why not? Adley? I don't All know. Right. I, it, it was either going to be Gunnar or Adley. I think Gunnar's going to start getting hot here soon. I'm going to take Jorge Mateo. I don't think I've yeah. ever taken him in the history of the show. He's been their most consistent hitter all year. And – Watch now. I'll take him and I'll go one for nineteen this week. That's how I feel about Adley. I mean, that's why. I'm <laughs> well, I, it's funny. Gunnar Henderson might have a great week. I don't know because uh, for going into last week's show, Zach took Adley and then he went one for nineteen. Yeah. that week. So I'm Adley's bad luck charm. Yeah, you're everybody's bad luck charm. You 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 have never won a take Drake for a full season. Three time reigning true. defending champion of the world, Paul Valley, mm-hmm. take Drake. Bob, uh, what can we plug for you before we uh, before we get you out of here? Yeah, check us out, BSL on the Verge, and wherever you get your podcast on YouTube, on Twitter, at BSL on the Verge, uh, Instagram, TikTok. I actually don't know if we have a TikTok, but pretty much look us up anywhere, and we're covering the Orioles and, and having fun doing it. So please enjoy with us. Uh, we, we certainly will. Always love having you on the show, Bob. We'll talk to you again down the line. Enjoy the season, and have a great day at work, all right? All right, you too. Thanks, guys. All right, man. That was Bob Phelan joining us on the battle round today. Um, always great talking to Bob and always has great intel. Yeah. And he Doesn't always like picks Zach Goodman. against Zach Goodman for yeah. take to That's rake. Okay. So, uh, so Bob takes Ryan Mountcastle, Zach takes Adley Rutschman, I take Jorge Mateo, and we'll see how the cards fall next Saturday. Yeah. Uh, we got to catch our final break. I think I only have one read left. Is that correct? That's not what I have, but we'll talk about it. Okay, we'll talk about it over the break. Uh, up next on the batter round, the better round, and final thoughts. All next on the the, the batter round. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. <coughs> what was that? Me, 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 me. Oh, say have you seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball parks? PressBox is giving you the chance to check all of them out this summer. Head over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball stadiums. One easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponster preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older to enter and the sweepstakes and June 14th. So get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. Dan Connolly does Anthem Reviews. I'd give you a three. B minus. B minus. No, that, oh, that, not was, bad. that was my vibrato wasn't there. My pitch wasn't there. I need uh, to clear my throat. It was a, the me, 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 me did not work. Um, I need a harmonizer, one of those things that you blow into that, to get the yeah, key. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah. Anyway, any who's a what's it's. Um, time for the better round. Last week on the better round, we told you to take the over seven runs on Yankees Blue Jays at minus 120. That was a big, fat miss. Mm. Yankees won three to two. I thought Garrett Cole was going to get his his, his um, really tees ripped off, and he was really good again. Um, we told you to take Kyle Gibson at minus 146 on the under on five and a half. Did I say the under or the over? On Gibson, I think you said the under. I think I said the under two on five and a half Ks. Another big fat miss. Eleven strikeouts for Kyle Gibson last week, tying a career high. And then on Joey Wentz, we told you to take plus one ten that the first pitch was a ball. Another big fat 
miss three-pitch strikeout of Austin Hayes to start the ballgame for the Orioles last week. Uh, on the season, we are now three hits, seven misses. And I should have texted Zach last night to have him make some picks um, because, oh, the Orioles game has already started. It has, yes. It's already started, and the Orioles have a runner on second with two outs. Um, damn. I want to be out of here in time to see that. But let's see. Is there anything that we can take here with the Orioles game now? I think that we'll just say um, to hit a, a humdinger. And by the way, Austin Hayes led off the game with a double. Nice. So and, that's he, where we're and, and he hasn't moved because whatever I'm outcast will do. Did he strike out? Uh, I will check. I don't know. I know that, um, let's see, Mountcastle batted second and Arias batted third and because Tony Taters is at the plate now with one ball, two strikes, and two outs. Okay, well, I'll figure out what Mountcastle did. All right, so for the first pitch result in the... Uh, that's locked, too. I don't know, man. You know what? We're going to skip the better round today. We're, we're just going to skip it. I was not prepared for it. The Orioles game has already started. I did not do my research last night because I was working for my other job so much that my eyes were crossing from staring at computer screen. Santander lined out. Yeah. So, inning the, over. So, what did the other guys do? Mountcastle, it looks like he put it in play. Arias struck out. Mountcastle grounded out the third. On what pitch? Uh, also, we'll try to figure that out. That is something I can't see, apparently. But it looks like Rodriguez, he couldn't have thrown many at all. So let me go see what Rodriguez threw. So far, why is this so hard to find? I don't know why they make this I got it. so I'm, incredibly I'm, difficult. You, you can find this? I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm on it. Hang on. I'm not seeing total pitches, but I... Uh, let me go to, to game day. Face live. Oh, 13. Okay, it was 13. Yeah, Ryan Mountcastle. Um, let's see. Called strike one, called strike two, and on the third pitch, which was a ball, it was high and tight, he um he swung at it and he grounded out 84.5 mile per hour um, exit velocity, so at least he didn't hit the ball 110 miles an hour right into the third baseman's glove. And uh, Tony McTaterson's, um, it was on the fourth pitch. Mm-hmm. I've never called him that before, Tony McTaterson's. Um, but yeah, so we're skipping the bet around today. I, I, there's... I don't feel like scrambling. After the losses last week, we got to uh, regroup. Well, yeah, we, we, we got to regroup. Um, what I wanted to try and start doing is um, compiling these the night before, and I completely forgot about it. I completely forgot about it because I'm going to be perfectly honest with you guys. I'm not a better. I have won one bet in my entire life, and it was on Super Bowl Sunday. Mm. And I had to split the money with my wife. Mm. So I am not a better. I'm trying to be more into it for this show specifically, but I don't care. Like... Is, am I allowed to say that? Should well, I'll give you something you do care about. We'll talk about the four decades of MLB players. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, look, <laughs> we'll make appara- apparently people don't like our trivia, but whatever. This one should be fun, and it was relevant to the show today. How many players? All right, so there's a lot, but a lot of them you're not going to know. So I'm just going to ask you to name the Hall of Famers, and there are quite a few of them. That so, played in... Four decades. Four decades. Yes. Yeah, so... The, See, the guy. one of the guys I was going to guess was Charlie Huff. The most recent Hall of Famer uh, retired in 2010. Um, Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson is one of them. So he retired in 2003, 1979 to 2003. Mm-hmm. So Ricky Henderson is one. Uh, Nolan Ryan, obviously. Yep. How many are there? Uh, a lot. I mean, starting all the way... I'm not. I'm going to skip the guys in the 1800s because who cares? Yeah. Uh, but starting in 1906 and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. There are 11 There's guys. no way, and that's going to take way too freaking okay. long, man. There's no Let's way see if we get five. Satchel, Satchel Page? Satchel Page is one of them. Sat- yeah, because he pitched in the majors at like 52. Mm-hmm. Um, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb is not on the list. Cy Young. Cy Young is not on the list. Really? 
No. So I got Nolan Ryan. I got one of them is a Oriole, former Oriole, former Oriole, but not known as an Oriole. Not, but known, a more recent Hall of Famer. More recent Hall of Famer, not known as an Oriole, who played in four different decades. Yeah. Retired oh, in two thousand two. Retired in two thousand two. Tim Raines. Tim Raines. Tim Raines. Okay. Uh, so I got Tim Raines. I got. Um, uh, Nolan, Nolan Ryan, Ryan. Ricky I got Ricky Henderson, and who else did I get? That's what you have so far. Uh, Satchel Page, and I got Satchel Page. Yeah. So my first f- uh, three guesses were correct. Yep. Um. So I have, and I have four of the eleven right now. I know guys have played a lot of baseball, like Julio Franco, and I thought might maybe Brooks, but Brooks played in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. I um, looked up Brooks. It was not Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Brooks made the Hall of Fame in nineteen eighty three, which means he didn't play right. in the eighties. Um. Four different decades. Eddie Murray just missed. Um, and by the by the way, the eleven was not counting Nolan Ryan, so I guess there's technically twelve. Okay, because we did talk about Nolan Ryan earlier. Okay, um, I'm trying to think who had that longevity. I'll say one of them is considered widely as one of the greatest hitters of all time, and I'll, I'll give you another hint if you want it. Babe Ruth. Not Babe Ruth. Really? No. Because I guess he played in the... In the in this the, was post-Babe Ruth. In the 1910s, 20s, and 30s. I guess he didn't play in the 19 yeah. alts. Um, <laughs> yeah, early... I think like 1912 he came up, something like that. 13 yeah. um, as a pitcher. Not... One of the greatest hitters of all time. And consider... Actually, the guy, one of the guys on here is who I consider the greatest player of all time. The greatest player of all... Willie so, Mays. Willie Mays is also on here uh, from 1948 to 1973. 26 seasons in the majors as a position Long player. career. I know that Brooks played like 23 or 24 years. Brooks Brooks made more All-Star games than seasons played, mm-hmm. which it's, is crazy. That's unreal. Because they used to play two... There was a stretch where they played two All-Star games a year. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and, uh, why do you need to do that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, look, I'm I'm done guessing, man. Okay. We both want to get well, out. I'll of here. read them. So Eddie Collins was one of them. Never gotten uh, that. Ted Williams, early win. I was gonna guess Ted Williams. I can't believe he played in four different decades. He did. He played from 39 to 60. Wow. Okay. So uh, Minnie Minoso, uh, Jim Cott, Willie McCovey, Carlton Fisk, Tim. Uh, Tim oh, I already you already said Tim Raines, yeah. and then Ken Griffey Jr. That's right. Griffey um, played in the 80s, 90s, 2010s. And his no final he, season was in 2010. So eighty nine yeah. to eighty nine to twenty ten. Yeah, yeah. And he's my favorite player of all time. Yeah, I totally forgot because I remember he went back to the Mariners in two thousand nine, and then in two thousand ten, I remember I was in college when I read the article that he fell asleep on the couch in the locker <laughs> in the clubhouse while the game was going on. He wasn't in the lineup, and he fell asleep on a couch in the clubhouse during the game. He hit no home runs his final year. It was like the most unceremonious yeah. ending to a Hall of Fame And he was career. with the White Sox the year before that, I think. He was, he was with the White Sox in yeah. 2009 and got traded to the Mariners halfway mm-hmm. through the year. And he actually had a decent year. I think he hit 17 home runs that year. Yeah. And then he just fell off a cliff yeah. in 2010. And it's Being old, being injured. Yeah. And he wasn't a workout warrior. That was well documented. No. So, all right. Uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts. I think the Orioles are going to get a lot better. I think that they're going to get a lot better because of the guys who are going to come up from the minor leagues. Uh, I'm looking at Colton Kowser coming up. And th- the thing is, he was so bad at AAA last year. I bought into what Keith Law was saying about how he's just not a great hit- a great hitter against left-handed hitting, against left-handed pitching. Um, and Hessen Kerstad was so good in the spring, got off to such a hot start. that I really believed Hessen Kerstad would 
get to the majors before Colton mm-hmm. Kowser this year. Kowser's going to be here imminently. Like, yes, in the next yeah. four to six weeks, he's going to be here. Uh, you would have to think so. And Kershaw's going to replace him at triple. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, at triple A. Um, but I, I, I look at the at-bats that Colton Kowser takes. Uh, I look at the at-bats that Joey Ortiz takes, and he does, his, the bat speed is so off the charts. Mm-hmm. It's so off the charts yeah. that he's not going to strike out a lot at the big league level. I'm super excited to see what this team's going to do moving forward. They do need to get that middle of the order bat. And maybe Cal's are coming up. Eventually, I think he'll hit in the top third of the order, and it'll push, it'll push some guys down. Because um, Mount Castle and Santander, and we said it last offseason, they shouldn't be hitting 3-4, and I like those guys. I like them as 5-6 yeah. hitters, not 3-4 I think Cal's are your two-hitter. Yeah. Mullins, Cowser, Rutschman, and then if Henderson comes around, Henderson Honestly, four, that's uh, but I think eventually it's going to go Mullins, Cowser, Henderson, Rutschman. I think Rutschman to me is a perfect four hitter. See, I, I don't agree. I think he makes too much contact. I, I would put the most powerful guy at four. That's always what I think of when I yeah. think the most powerful guy is going to be Gunnar Henderson. Rutschman, I think, I think is going to hit twenty five home runs and he's going to hit and he's going to hit forty doubles. I, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't think he's gonna, ever going to be a thirty homer guy, but he'll hit twenty five home I, runs and he'll hit. I 40 think Rutschman doubles. walks too much for it though. But you, you want a guy that's going to walk. Yeah, but then who's at five, six, and seven going to drive him in? That's, that's my question. That's true. That's true. I I'd put I think Rutschman at two or three is your. Can we sweet just spot. bat Rutschman like four different times? <laughs> Why can't we make it? <laughs> we, 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 we made special rules for Shohei Otani. Yeah. You know, Let Rutschman Ad, just Ad, hit Adley, like eight Ad, times. Adley Rutschman is a transitional catcher. Make a special rule where he can bat three times. <laughs> just do it. He bats second, he bats sixth, and he bats ninth. And he has a ghost runner. I'm all for it. We can put a ghost runner on second base. We can let Shohei Otani start a game as a pitcher and then become the DH afterwards. Absolutely. I have an idea. Adley Rutschman can bat three times the, in a game. The Diamondbacks can loan Corbin Carroll for every time that uh, Adley well, Rutschman gets on base, and then he can run for him. You know that in in uh, the Independent League now, or in, in A-ball now, that they're trying out having a yeah. a permanent pinch runner for a game. Yeah, which the same I, pinch I think is a really good idea. Yeah, I, really like, good I, idea. I like it too. I like it, too. Yeah. I mean, I like it, too. All right. What do you got? Final thoughts. <laughs> uh, that was my final thought. The the four decades. I wanted to. Oh, I was gonna gotcha. throw that in there. So gotcha, gotcha. All right. Special thanks to Bob Feeling. Always great talking with him. Special thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thank you to all of our sponsors and especially to all of our listeners. Without you, we have no show. Thank you to Zach for the wonderful work he does every week. Even though I do all the work, that they do, <laughs> but you know I digress. <laughs> I'm wow. just kidding. Um, we're gonna get on out of here. Go O's. See ya. <laughs>